This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there totally free. Again, freetalklive.com. We're going to start things out here with a special guest. Mark, you have uh, invited Jacob Hubert back on the show. We had uh, had him on uh, once in the past, and it was due to a little bit of controversy that had bubbled up on the internets there. And Yeah, and he was such a good guy about it that we said, hey, uh, we know that you're, you're writing a book, and when you do write the book, uh, you know, get a hold of us and, and we'll do an interview. We right. thought we were just sort of extending an olive branch, being a nice guy. Turns out that this book is a big deal in Liberty circles. I mean, guys like Jeff Tucker uh, from Mises. Uh, yeah, from Mises.org and uh, Stefan Kinsella from uh, the same. Mm-hmm. They're they're making big, huge uh, uh, to-do about it. And it's, uh, as a matter of fact, been uh, Jeffrey Tucker, no small name in the in the liberty movement, says uh, uh, the result is a fantastic successor book to Murray Rothbard's classic a New Liberty, um, 1973, and 250 pages, Hubert tells you what you need to know about uh, libertarianism today. It, uh, you know, Those are incredible accolades. Jacob, are you there? Uh, no, he's not. Not quite no, yet, he's... but uh, we're going to bring him on here in just a moment. I wanted to make sure I introduced uh, the crew here tonight. Uh, also, Dale is with us, uh, joining us from anarchyinyourhead.com. Hello, Dale. Hi. Now, uh, you're, you've been busily working. Uh, you, you've managed to remember to come out tonight because you are focused hardcore on putting out uh, a new movie that uh, that you're working on and I, I hope that we'll be able to announce a website or something like that soon. I'm just really proud I didn't forget and end up late <laughs> for FTL again because I've been so I have such tunnel vision at the moment it's really hard to re- remember other things. Well, Mark, you should be happy. <laughs> so. uh, Dale and I both uh, managed to remember to come over here after uh, going to the local party in the park. There're probably about 30 activists uh, hanging out in a local park enjoying uh, each other's company and they're having a good old time. Anyway, uh, Jacob Hubert is here tonight on Free Talk Live. Uh, Jacob, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So um, tell us about libertarianism today. Um, you know, what, what, you t- tell me what you say have to say about it, because we certainly know what Jeffrey Tucker has to say about it. Okay, well, um, you know, it's, a, it's an introduction to libertarianism and the libertarian movement. Uh, it's different from some other introductions to libertarianism uh, that have been out there for a while, in that uh, it's more up-to-date than most of them. It's it talks about people now and what they're doing and saying and so forth. Uh, it deals with issues that maybe libertarians overlooked or got a little bit wrong in the past, such as intellectual property. And it doesn't just talk about uh, ideas in the abstract, but it really talks about uh, the people who are putting the ideas forward and, and what's going on with that. So it's pretty comprehensive in that respect and pretty uh, up-to-date. I'd say it's a good book for people who you want to introduce to libertarianism so they can get kind of a picture of what it's all about. And I hope it's also useful to people who have been around libertarianism a while who maybe need to fill in some gaps or could use a little more background on some area or another. So it hopefully will be useful to a wide audience. So um, now you, you do – I happen to know that you have a, a section in there on the Free State Project. So you're talking about all kinds of different liber- liberty movements all across the country. Um, you know, what, what do you have to say about the, uh, the Free State Project, just briefly in the book? I don't want you to give anything away. I mean, people obviously uh, – Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, well, there's, you know, there's kind of a book – or excuse me, a chapter on libertarians in politics. Uh, I talked for a little while about the Libertarian Party, but then I suggest the Free State Project – uh, really might be a more useful uh, alternative right now. 
because you have all these people who are going to one place, and they have a plan mapped out for how they're going to do this. And I described you know, how New Hampshire was chosen, when people have to move there, how people are already moving there, the kinds of things they're doing now that they are there. Uh, so uh, I lay it all out for them. And you're not just some uh, some fella out there that believes in liberty like like us, I guess. Um, I mean, you're like a college professor and, and, and that kind of thing, right? Me personally, well, I'm a lawyer by day for the most part. I also teach uh, various law school courses. And, uh, you know, I've been around the libertarian movement a while. I've worked uh, at least as an intern for quite a few uh, libertarian organizations while I was in college and law school. So, uh, so I have some good background on this stuff. So I'm looking here over at the Amazon entry for this, uh, amazon.freetalklive.com. People can go. They can uh, place an order for this. And I'm seeing, looks like there will be a paperback version uh, available at some point. Well, there is a paperback version. If you go to uh, Mises.org and you go to their store, you can get the paperback version, which costs uh, quite a bit less than the hardback version. Right. Uh, so there's that coming. And on Amazon, shortly, there will be a Kindle version, oh, okay. uh, which will be the least uh, expensive option. So, yeah, hardback, paperback, and Kindle. So if you want the, the hardback, you go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. If you want the paperback, you go to Mises.org. And if you want the Kindle version, you'll have to wait a, a week or two, right? Yeah, it should show up there any day. Fantastic. So uh, now I've read in the past uh, David Berglund's book. Now, he's a former uh, Libertarian Party presidential candidate. He wrote Libertarianism in One Lesson. And I read uh, Harry Brown's Why Government Doesn't Work. Well, that's an excellent one. But uh, Libertarianism in One Lesson is certainly an introductory kind of book. It's it's relatively short. Uh, it's inexpensive. Uh, how would you compare this to, if, if you're familiar with that at all, would, can you compare it? Well, it's been a long time since I looked at that particular book. I can only say that I think mine is probably, I mean, it's definitely more up-to-date in that mm-hmm. it, uh, it, it covers the latest events, the latest thinking. Um, I think it probably goes into a little more depth on some issues than some of these other books. What I try to do in a lot of these chapters is, first I lay out the basic libertarian position on the issue, and then I try to show that uh, we have libertarianism with respect to practically all of these issues in the United States in the past, and I describe how it worked then, and I described how we switched to the non-libertarianism, uh, the non-libertarian position, as with drugs, for example, where there wasn't a real crisis, a real problem with people being addicted to drugs everywhere. What happened was uh, special interests who uh, wanted to enrich or empower themselves uh, moved in and acted like there was a crisis and convinced people we needed to do this stuff. Uh, so uh, it goes into some depth like that on these issues that uh, most of the other introductions to libertarianism don't do. That's great. Now, Jacob, what other uh, is this your first book? How many other books have you uh, written besides this? This is my first book. Oh, wow! Very cool. So, um, now, how is it that uh, how did how did Mises get involved in this? How how did they get uh, behind you pushing this this book, Mises? Uh, Mises well, uh, the publisher Prager Publishers, which is just a regular old mainstream publisher, uh, was actually looking for someone to write a book about libertarianism. Uh, I think they specifically said the modern Misesian libertarian movement, and word got to me about that, and I got in touch with them and gave them my proposal, my idea for the book, and, and they went for it, And uh, which you know I find remarkable that there's publishers out there actively looking to do a book on libertarianism. Sure. This is mostly unheard of 10, 15, 20 years ago, <laughs> and I'm sure it's all uh, due to Ron Paul's efforts and, and what yeah. he's done. Uh, so anyway, that's that's how I got involved in this book. And then uh, Jeff Tucker at Mises heard about it, and you know he thought, well, you know, this hardback's a little expensive. It's a shame uh, that there isn't a way we can 
put this out there so that you know everybody can get it, so it's cheap, it's accessible, yeah. and uh, and so uh, I got in touch with the publisher and uh, and put the publisher in touch with him, and they worked out a deal with the Mises Institute to be able to carry exclusively a special paperback version of the book. That's fantastic because it's really important. I mean, with an in- introductory book, to be able to get it at like a like a bulk buy rate to where you can bring it out to you know, uh, gun shows and uh, like I used to go to gay and lesbian pride fest and the the county fair and I'd go wherever I could uh, to any place that sell you a booth. Yeah, to get the you know get a booth and get these ideas into into people's hands. So I I I mean I'm jumping to a conclusion here. Do you think that the the paperbacks will be available in bulk for you know like an activist uh, kind of purchase like that? Well, uh, you know, I can't say how exactly how cheap they'll be, but I at least had hoped that it's something that, you know, if you have thoughtful friends who maybe are part of the way there, who, you know, are Glenn Beck listeners or whatever, and, and are kind of getting it, that this is something that you could at least, I mean, you're not going to be able to afford to distribute these en masse to, to the masses, but if there's someone you know that you think is close, uh, I think it's definitely something you could buy a number of to, to give to people you know like that. So do you think um, just, uh, you know, I mean, you've done some studying on this. Do you think that uh, the uh, that America is moving more towards liberty now or is it uh, is it moving more away? I mean, taxes are the government's getting bigger. Taxes are getting higher. But it seems like there's this movement towards liberty. Well, I mean, there's more people definitely than ever who know about libertarianism, who want more liberty. But is that enough to overcome the overall trend that, that we see towards ever bigger government? I really don't know. Frankly, it's, it's hard to be optimistic about liberty. Uh, you don't live in New Hampshire, Jacob. <laughs> you don't live in New Hampshire. It's definitely uh, an optimistic movement up here. We've got all kinds of people moving in here every single week, and they're getting together on a regular basis to socialize and get active. And I thank you for being on the show tonight, Libertarianism Today with Jacob Hubert. Uh, you can grab it at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com or Mises.org. Thanks, Jacob, and have a great night. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. Sure, thanks for having me. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Hey everybody, Scott Horton here for FreedomCam.net. From coast to coast, the increasingly militarized American police state has grown out of control. Peace officers have become law enforcement. The old doctrines of minimal force have fallen by the wayside. Cops are now trained to use overwhelming force in virtually every situation, resulting in an epidemic of police brutality across our society. I say fight back while you still can. Film the cops and put it on YouTube. A critical mass of police brutality videos is being assembled online, and a change is going to come. Police perjury is no match for instant replay. Freedomcam.net offers discreet video cameras to help you avoid confiscation while checking power and protecting yourself. Freedomcam.net. Invited to take control of the airwaves. Toll free number 800 259 9231. The SACL CAI toll free line 1 800 259 9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features on the site for free, including news updates. You get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something that you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to news.freetalklive.com. And get signed up for free. Uh, you can get our emailed updates. You can follow Twitter or Facebook. 
uh, get the news the way you want it. Go to news.freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it is Ian. And Dale. And Mark. Uh, don't forget, Free Talk Live is brought to you by SACL CAI. You're looking to get some collections work done. You've got some uh, accounts receivable that need help. SACL CAI can help you with that. Uh, they collect with respect. You can learn more about SACL CAI simply by visiting freetalklive.com and clicking on the very uh, top banner on the right-hand side of our page. SACL CAI. We continue with your phone calls. Brian is on the line in New Hampshire on the amp lines. Hello, Brian. Hey, guys. I called in last night to uh, tell a little story about a, a traffic ticket that I got and fought and won. And I was just thinking, you know, I wanted to share the information, kind of share my uh, success and uh, and failures and mistakes I made so that others can, can learn from that. Of course. And I thought, I thought that was going to be it. Well, this morning it got a lot more interesting. Okay. What well, happened? First of all, I'm sorry, I wasn't here, Brian. Just briefly, was there like a certain strategy that you used that you could recap? Yeah, let me recap. It was... Um, it was just it was a hundred and three dollar and thirty three cent ticket. Who knows where they come up with these numbers, but um, that, that was the, the the price of the ticket. And I uh, I put in a motion to continue. My whole idea was to cost them more than one hundred and three dollars. So mm-hmm. even if I lost, you know, I would have some little victory. So finally, we're there in court, and um, uh, there, there's a lot of stu- other stuff around this. But I'll, I'll cut to the chase here. Um, the uh, the judge, a woman, said um, uh, she had to read into the record. Oh, just to let you know. Uh, Route 101, this is an important number here, Route 101 is a public way, which means I'm supposed to, you know, obey all their laws. Right, and they took uh, judicial notice of that, I imagine. That's normally what they try to do. That's exactly the word, yes. I Mm -hmm. forgot that word, judicial notice. So um, uh, then the uh, uh, prosecutor, you know, he's just sitting down, he tells the cop to go up there. Now, the prosecutor's another cop, right, who works in the same, I think it's in a different department. Anyway, um, so the the cop that uh, uh, that you know, wrote the complaint um, uh, gets into the witness stand, and uh, before he starts saying anything, I said I object on uh, memory recollection, on the grounds of memory recollection, and I, I got this idea from Bill, another activist here who who used it pretty successfully. The idea is that the U.S. Constitution guarantees you the right to confront uh, your witness, to, you know, to the, your accuser, and right. a lot of, a lot of case law has said that that person is your accuser, not that piece of paper. And so if the uh, witness can't recall things uh, because, uh, you know, without the piece of paper, then uh, case, lots of case law says that that's an incompetent witness. And so I kind of explained this to the judge, and she said, well, you know, sometimes they need to refer to their notes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> because they're denied. professional, uh, you know, fund collectors. I mean, they're they're just revenue generators. It's not like they actually have a complaint. These people aren't an injured party. Mm-hmm. If they were an injured party, it'd be etched on their mind. It would be burned with a firebrand into their memory. But they go around all day long finding people and handing out tickets. So your objection was to the fact that the person, the the witness, the state's witness, was recalling from memory, or that they were trying to use a piece of paper. I'm still a little fuzzy on what your objection was. Yes, they are supposed to recall from memory. The witness is the human, mm-hmm. but if the human can't recall what happened, that's not much of a witness. Uh, and and you can call you can uh, you know call for an incompetent witness and yeah. have that have that testimony you know stricken from the record. Okay, and this was the cop that you were objecting toward. Yes. Okay. Got this it. is the cop that ju- just before the the we went into the trial, he called me into the prosecutor's office and said, uh, uh, "You sure you want to take this thing to trial? You know, I'll, I'll cut you a deal. It'll just be half price <laughs> if you if you sign this on the line here." I said, "No thanks." I'll Limited time, fifty percent offer, baby. Yeah. <laughs> they always try this exactly. stuff. 
They exactly. always want you to cut so, the deal because they don't have a case in so many instances. Actually, this one they did have a case. I, I think it's a, also a major mistake. I think it's also what exactly what Brian said that it's costing them money to argue this, mm-hmm. and so they're they just want to get their money, and they don't if they have to argue it and everything, it starts to become you know not cost effective for them. All right, so the judge ended up letting them use the paperwork to uh, read out of. Yeah, right, and so. Um, he he uh, he said, yeah, you know, a defendant was uh, traveling westbound on Route 101 A, and then he stopped and he's staring at the uh, at the paper. And I objected again. I said, uh, look, he, he's reading his notes here. He obviously doesn't understand, doesn't remember what what happened. He's not recalling anything. I object. And the judge says, it's okay. Now the whole time the judge is talking to me, he's you know trying to read this thing in case they took it away from him. You know, so he remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so he's he's kind of he's kind of flustered now and. Uh, he kind of, he finally stops and he looks at the judge and, and he says, "Did you did you take judicial notice of uh, Route 101? Is that what you said?" And she says, "Yeah, that's what you wrote here in the docket." And the cop said, "Well, actually, he was on Route 101A." <laughs> okay. And she, she said, "You know, I, I should have objected, and I, I didn't even notice this. This is one of one of my uh, one one of the faults. But you got to be so sharp in everything." But mm-hmm. anyway, so um, you know, he ended up doing doing me a favor. Because the judge said, uh, well, you know, that's quite a big difference. You know, 101A versus 101. You're saying he's on a street that he wasn't anywhere near. Oh, boy. And then she said, uh, prosecutor, what are you going to do about this? And the prosecutor says, uh, uh, you know, the people want to amend their complaint or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she, she said, uh, it's kind of late to be doing that right now. You know, uh, the defendant is right here in court. So he uh, threw it out. Not guilty. Wow. Wow. Well, they actually got a not oh guilty. Oh, my God. Did. That was actually a reasonable response. How about that? <laughs> All right. So, so what transpired today? Well, um, today, uh, uh, I, I get a call early in the morning, like uh, before 8 o'clock, from um, a kind of a, a, a guy that I know. He's kind of an activist around here. And he said, uh, you were on Free Talk Live last night. Um, the, the cops, the, there's seven cops in the station, apparently, that uh, at least one of them listens, and he brought it in. And they were all listening to it. And uh, apparently this, uh, this cop that uh, you know, made my case for me was really, really pissed. That's, that's that's the word I got back from a, from a, a witness. Well, you know, I mean, I, I this is in this instance, I find it it's sort of sad, right? Like that uh, that if you were going to get off, it doesn't seem like like nobody wants the criminals to get off on a technicality. I don't want you to be just fundraised from for whatever reason. You paid for that road, and I suppose if you were causing some kind of terrible hindrance on it or whatever, that uh, that, that you should get some kind of fine. I, I don't I don't even know what the proper solution is, but um, well, you know, in the, this the, the, in this the, instance, the, the, the I, I can see if it was a murder committed on Route 101A and somebody entered into the digital record one, um, Route 101, I would be very upset with the results. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, exactly right. No, I see what you're saying. But this wasn't a murder. This wasn't no. even a crime. No. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know precisely what, uh, what, what occurred. It had something to do with a trailer and um, it didn't have, what, a license plate on it or something? Yeah, they, they say that the registration was out of date. Yeah, yeah that's nonsense okay. uh, as far as I'm concerned. Right. So... All right, so you found out that one of these cops, the cop uh, that was uh, was on the stand, was upset because you were on the show. Right, and, and all I want to say is that, you know, I, I would encourage, I mean, obviously they're listening, I would, I would encourage this officer to call into the show maybe, or, um, you know, let's talk about this thing. I, you know, no hard feelings or anything, I just, obviously somebody there is listening to the message of freedom and uh, nonviolence. Well, that's good, I think that's important, and uh, thank you. Did, you. did you even call the guy by name last night? 
No, I didn't. So, what's he got to, what's uh, he got I didn't to be even concerned with? More coming up. Thanks for the call. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want by taking control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, uh, so do enjoy those, including our Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of this program. Head to shrine.freetalklive.com. And if you're a lady listener, there are details on how to be a part of the Shrine there, shrine.freetalklive.com. Private, inaccurate, or unflattering information posted about you online can hurt your reputation, your career, even your relationships, especially if you have some kind of a professional career like doctor, lawyer, things like that. That's why it's so important for you to know what's on the Internet about, um, uh, written about you and to take control of it. There's a company called Reputation Defender that controls your privacy online and manages how you look to someone who searches you. Reputation Defender will continuously monitor everything about you on the web, including 40 social networks. It will remove your personal information from websites that collect it and sell it, protecting your privacy. It will even allow you to stop unwanted mail from reaching your mailbox. Go to MyReputation.com to find out more about Reputation Defender. Use promo code FREE, F-R-E-E, to uh, get a special discount at MyReputation.com. Coming up, we've got some more emails, uh, some more questions, answers, rather, from Mark Emery to your questions, the ones that uh, you, the listeners, uh, went ahead and wrote over on our Facebook profile at facebook.freetalklive.com. We still have a number of those to get through, and I'm hoping we can get through one, two, maybe three tonight uh, if we get a chance here. And, of course, your calls as well, but uh, your calls come first. So let's go to Kenneth in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Dale and Mark. Hey, guys. How you doing? Great, Kenneth. What's on your mind? All right, so I've had this book on my bookshelf for a little over a year. I've been meaning to get to it. It's called The Probability Brooch by L. Neil Smith. Yeah, it's a great book. Copyright 1980-1996 by (laughs) L. Neil Smith. And uh, I got the first uh, few words of the the foreword by Andrea Mellon-Rich. Oh, I think I know where you're going with this. I think I've heard about it. And here are the first few words of the foreword. You are about to enter another dimension, a dimension not of sight nor of sound, but of ideas. And yes, imagination. Does that strike you interesting? It sounds very like familiar. Zone. It sounds like the Twilight Zone. <laughs> or, or no, the Outer Limits. Is that the Outer Limits? Well, if I were Neil Smith in the frame of mind of current, I would say that perhaps Ms. Andrea Millen Rich plagiarized and what was the other word he used? Uh, corrupted? I don't destroyed. know. Anyway, destroyed um, the work of Mr. Rod Serling. Hmm. Yet, I'm wondering, do you suppose Mr. L. Neal Smith... She even altered it without Rod Serling's permission. 
Right. And do you suppose he went to Andrea and called him na- called her nasty names and uh, sentenced her to read three of his books? I don't think so. I'd be willing to bet a truckload of parchment on that. Now, what you're <laughs> referencing here, uh, Ken, for those listeners that don't really know, is that uh, a couple weeks ago there was some controversy that kind of blew up surrounding the Shire Society Declaration, which people can read over at ShireSociety.com. Uh, which was a document that was created based on something that this very same author, L. Neal Smith, had written back in the 1980s. And he got his panties all up in a wad about the fact that uh, those of us who'd put the Shire Society Declaration together had done so without apparently begging him for permission uh, to borrow some of his ideas, which, of course, he inevitably borrowed from other uh, thinkers uh, that, you know, come up with them prior to him. I think that it's it's less the, the ideas and more the the work itself. But in this instance, the, the caller, I can't remember his Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth uh, points out, I mean, this is sort of uh, the, the who Andrea, whoever who's uh, doing the forward definitely is taking the the work that that was the Twilight Zone. Is that is that what it was, Kenneth? Oh, yeah, that would have been the uh, I don't know, the the second half of the first season of the Twilight Zone's prelogue. Yeah, and basically. so you know, taking that and using it to, you know, just sort of allude to something new. And I, I think it's I, I, I think it's a very prescient example. And I, I would, would like to point out that he did, in fact, copyright and publish and profit from mm. the document which contained that very set of words, which is exactly what he accused, uh, what were they, criminals? Um, rodents. Socialist rodents? scum. Yeah. Socialist right. scum. That's exactly what he accused those people of doing, except, of course, you didn't profit from it. That's no, we're true. trying to copyright it. No, actually, we've lost yeah. money on the Shire Society because we're just doing it for for the fun of creating, you know, an alternative idea for people to kind of join up with. Didn't you pay someone to draw it up in nice calligraphy? He, and stuff? he was sent, I think, a few bucks, uh, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really anything significant. Okay. Uh, and we are going to um, we're going to be putting it online at ShireSociety.com. In fact, I was just talking with Sam from ObscuredTruth.com, and he's been putting these things together. Uh, Puke, one of the other activists here, has got a really nice camera, and so they set up some lighting. And they lit the Shire. They lit the Shire Society document up, and they took some really high resolution photos of it, and they're turning it into a PDF file so people will be able to look at the actual original documents online. It's going to be it's going to be very cool. Really, what it breaks down to is L. Neil Smith is jealous uh, that somebody took his idea, made it better. Now he doesn't think it's better. He thinks it was destroyed and crapped on. Uh, but uh, that that somebody took his idea, ran with it, and made something more significant out of it. People I don't actually, think that uh, you're, you're saying it's jealousy, and I don't agree with that. He, no. Uh, Many artists don't want their art to be changed and mm-hmm. modified in any way. However, what he's doing is he lo- he's looking at it from his perspective, and and he's unable to step out of his perspective and look at it from a, a different perspective. And in, in this instance, Kenneth calls in and says, hey, look, your probability brooch has a forward, and you copyrighted it, and you profited by it, and this forward is essentially biting off of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, you have taken point. a work of art and uh, twisted it and profited from it, and that's exactly what you're accusing other people of doing. Now, in, in, in my opinion, um, it's not a crime. It's not uh, Mr. Serling wasn't hurt. No, However, no, of course, um, it, but there's the I hypocrisy. believe he had a weak case. <laughs> He had a weak case, and the last leg that he had in his case has just been kicked out from under it. Yeah. And now he has absolutely no case at all. Yep. Now he's and just a grumpy old man. Irony and <laughs> hypocrisy come to mind. And now you're just a grumpy young man. Well, why am I grumpy? I'm, I'm fine, man. We, we have our Shire Society declaration, and uh, like 100 I'm people signed chillin'. it. Yeah, it's awesome. Just chillin'.
And I think there's probably a little jealousy involved here because he uh, has his little, uh, what's it called? The, con- the uh, I don't even remember what it is. The, the Declaration his, of Unanimous Consent? No, uh, it's, it's, he called it something else. It wasn't a declaration. But anyway, whatever his original was, uh, that has a little a portion at the bottom where it says you can sign it and then send it in, send a copy of it in to him. And give him $2, and he'll archive it for you. So not only was he upset, Mark, that his, his so-called uh, creative art or whatever had been changed and modified and crapped on, uh, he's also upset that he believes that he's missing out on these $2 I don't fees believe that, that at people, all. I think that's, that what his just, complaint, that's what his complaint in, sure. uh, in the people email box said. People say a lot said. of things um, that they don't in actually mean. It, to me, in, in my mind, he's, he's thinking completely along the lines of Ayn Rand, uh, when Ayn Rand was wrong in the same situation, she accused libertarians of stealing her ideas and changing them. And you can't do that. It, does, it doesn't make sense. You can't steal ideas and change them. That's what people have done throughout history. Free Thank people goodness. have done throughout history. Thank goodness people took ideas and modified them and made them better. Well, yeah, this is what gets me is, you know, especially for something like a declaration where you are declaring uh, a certain sort of set of beliefs and that you're going to act according to those beliefs in that manner it has to be perfect and if his version is not perfect for someone to sign it they have to change it <laughs> i mean i'm not going to declare something that i am not 100 percent in agreement with i wouldn't right? say the declaration is perfect but i'd say well, it's I, it has to be perfect good. for the it person be, who's signing or at least or at right. least the stuff that you don't agree with has to be at least vague enough yeah. you know well, okay let me tell you, yeah, when you i know. read the declaration the thing that concerned me was actually the first paragraph, the part where it said something about how all the cre- all, everything you create belongs to you. First thing that occurred to me, and of course, I wasn't a signatory yes. or anything like that. I was kind of mulling it from the sidelines. First thing that occurred to me is, my God, that's a whole lot of stuff. And it could include things that, like Ayn Rand would have thought, you know, all our novels and so on and so forth. There far. you go. Hmm. I think that anything that you create does belong to you until you give it away, like an idea. Right, but it didn't say that, did it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, okay, yeah, right. I mean, you can't say everything. Right. We yeah, tried to keep it as issue. short as we could, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, if I you want to keep it, if you want to own you only own it as long as you keep it, you know, to yourself. Right. As soon yeah. as you release copies of it out into the... I mean, the show is copies being released out into the airway. Right. You didn't so. create the copies. You just created the original, and you released the idea to the public, and it, it follows naturally, I think. Anyway, Kenneth, right. thanks for the call and the thoughts. Appreciate it. Uh, way to go. You really called him out. 800, not that he's listening or anything. 800, I hope you emailed him about that, by the way, as an aside. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. 800-259-9231. Take control of the airwaves. By the way, he's never bothered to email me back, and I'm glad. I don't want to hear from him anymore. It's Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated talk show on more than 80 talk radio stations from Alaska to Florida. We've been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation twice. And the number one political podcast on podcastawards.com four out of the last five years. You can have access to our 80 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for as little as $500 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You are uh, the creator of the content of the site. If you want to be, you find something interesting online, something that you think our listeners might enjoy, you submit it to the website, and then other listeners uh, get a chance to vote up or vote down on whether they like or dislike your suggestion. You get to vote up and down on other things as well. And the most voted up will make it to the front page of the website and the top of the page. So more likely than that we will see it and perhaps talk about it 
on these very airwaves. So head on over to freetalklive.com and do that. Plus, if you want to help the show out, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. We mentioned it earlier this hour with uh, Jacob Hubert's book, Libertarianism Today, being available there. Uh, plus, they've got a whole bunch of other stuff besides it's not just books. Uh, it's uh, everything from DVDs to electronics to uh, office products, you name it. Uh, these guys sell it. So go to amazon.freetalklive.com and a portion of their profits will be given to Free Talk Live if you enter through that link, amazon.freetalklive.com. So let's do some emails and then coming up, we'll talk about the Arizona situation. Did you guys cover that at all last night, Mark, on the on the show? No. The Arizona, it's getting pretty uh, heated down there in more ways than one. And we'll uh, we'll tell you about that when we get a chance. But Mark Emery is in jail. He's in federal prison, SeaTac Federal Prison in Seattle, Washington. In case you don't know who Mark Emery is, he is the King of Pot, or excuse me, the Prince of Pot. Uh, He was wanted for a long time by the Drug Enforcement Administration and has been a major... That does raise the question who the King of Pot is. This is a good (laughs) good point. Uh, Maybe Mark would know, but uh, he was wanted for a long time and they finally got him. Uh, for selling seeds over the internet. But a lot of people have sold seeds, and they didn't really go after them with the same gusto as they went after Mark Emery, and that's because Mark Emery not just sold, uh, he didn't just sell some seeds, he also spoke out against prohibition. He used his profits that he made on selling the seeds to further the ideas of ending right. prohibition. He's, he's both a freedom activist and a, and a marijuana activist, and those are the kind of people that the government uh, is scared of the most. Absolutely. If you, if you take a look at who the government goes after when they go after uh, people that don't pay income tax, they don't go after the 60 million people in America that don't, don't file tax returns. They don't bother with them. They go after wealthy people, they go after um, famous people, and they go after especially people that claim that you don't have to pay taxes, you shouldn't pay taxes, mm-hmm. tax freedom advocates that are verbose, boisterous, and, uh, and are getting people on board. Those are the ones that they go after. So they went after Mark Emery because of his advocacy, and we've had him on the show a number of times. Uh, I like the guy, and boy, he needs to get into talk radio one of these days, because I miss him having him on, because you can just turn the guy loose, and he'll go on and on. It's great, which is why uh, he's very detailed here in his emails as well, and of course he has nothing better to do. Uh, he's sitting in SeaTech uh, prison. Usually he's running this business empire, at Cannabis Culture. CannabisCulture.com is his website. He's got PotTV.net. I mean, the guy is a, an incredible entrepreneur, so he's not just an activist. He runs his own uh, shop in Vancouver, and he's got all these other things that are, are going on around him tangentially that he's in charge of, and now his wonderful wife uh, Jody is on the outside all alone, basically, uh, running the operations without him. So uh, we had the ability to link up with him. I sent him a, a letter, a handwritten letter, and he managed to, apparently they have access to email there in federal prison. So he added me. I'm one of his 30 people that he is allowed to email. And so he suggested I email, uh, email him some questions that he could answer. And I asked you, the listeners, to provide those questions at uh, at facebook.freetalklive.com. That's where I got them from. And we're on question number four. That's uh, the one we left off on. So let's pick up here. Uh, what are your plans? This question from Mark Emery. What are your plans for the future after you get out of prison? Do you plan to uh, – there's actually two questions in one. Do you plan to continue to be an activist against drug prohibition? So after he gets out. His answer – Getting through the ordeal of prison is my more immediate goal, and the future will come only when the present is dealt with. I plan to be an activist while in prison, educating myself, toughening myself, remembering my humanity, and staying true to myself. These are the immediate goals, to be an inspiration and an example, even while in prison. Number five, would you do it all over again? Would you do anything differently? And that's a, that's a pretty, you know, 
significant question because yeah. he's, he's been through an awful lot and now he's looking at five years behind bars away from his uh, his wife away from his friends away from everything he's stuff. created and so how does he feel about that does are there any regrets would you do it over again and according to uh, mark he says i would have spent more money on ballot initiatives in u.s states this is i guess what he would do differently uh the best investments i did was giving five thousand dollars to the washington dc medical marijuana initiative in january of 1998 and fifteen thousand to the colorado initiative in january and february of 2000 and five thousand to the arizona initiative that year the money was to pay for professional signature gathering to qualify for the ballot in november of that year the dc and colorado initiatives passed and are now really seeing implementation the uh, Arizona one was written in a way that made it impossible to enact, but it passed also. The Alaska initiatives did not pass. Some campaigns had a greater chance to succeed than others, like the $30,000 I spent on hotel transportation and lawyers on a class action suit in 1999 in a Philadelphia federal court to restore the compassionate cannabis use program that was canceled. Uh, the odds of that succeeding were not very good. It probably would have been better spent gathering signatures to put a medical marijuana initiative on the ballot in some state. But, you know, you live and you learn, right? Sure. Everybody makes mistakes like that. Sounds like his more uh, successful stuff was done a little later. This was 1999. And, you know, you know. And when you've got $35,000 to throw around, it really isn't the end of the world when one of them doesn't work out, right? I mean, when, when, you, when, you, when you have that kind of money, a few million bucks at your disposal... It, 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 you lose thirty thousand here, fifty thousand there. It's not I really guess a big it's deal. probably still painful. I, I wouldn't su- know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how painful that is, Mark. I mean, imagine you know if you're used to if you're used to it just all depends on what you're used to dealing with. If you Indeed. make uh, fifty thousand dollars in a year, then maybe it's a little more significant when you lose a uh, when you when you lose a few hundred here and there, and so. And it just all depends. Anyway, it's your perspective that matters. The $35,000 spent each year on posters, shipping, and organizing the Global Marijuana March was probably wasteful compared to spending it on a ballot initiative signature gathering campaign. In 2001, hmm. I spent... Is he saying that uh, civil disobedience and outside-the-system activism is, hasn't been as effective for him as inside-the-system activism? I don't know if that's what he's saying at all, no. He's done a lot of civil disobedience, and it's gotten him a lot of publicity. Just, in I, 2001, I, I spent $152,000 on 79 candidates in the B.C. Marijuana Party's first election campaign in 2001, running a full slate of candidates, having the BCMP leader Brian Taylor campaign across B.C. That's uh, British Columbia. In Richard Nixon, uh, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan's campaign bus, redubbed the Cannabis, the campaign was very successful, but that $152,000 would have paid to get one, two, or even three states a ballot, uh, ballot measure. So in comparison, sometimes money was allocated that in hindsight, I'd prioritize differently. So there he is saying that even within the system, getting behind political candidates, not so great. But uh, the ballot initiatives, he felt, were a better way to spend Some states money. are better with ballot initiatives than others. I mean, um, you know, in Florida, it's relatively easy. Here in New Hampshire, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to get something on a ballot initiative. They're really popular in California. And I don't does, know if they're effective. Or they're popular. Well, there's going to be a big one this year in California on this very topic. They are looking at fully, I guess, legalizing cannabis. For recreational purposes. Should be very interesting. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And he does point out here at the very end that uh, all of this is only because he has hindsight due to his experience. And finally, uh, number six, well, finally for today, we've got more. There's four more after this. But, Mark, would you like to speak at the Porcupine Freedom Festival when you get out? This is the yearly camping festival for, uh, for the Free State Project. It happened about a month ago, and it is an absolute blast and a very cannabis-friendly uh, event. He says, I'd love to come to New Hampshire, but I'll need to be given a pardon to be allowed back into the United States once my sentence is completed here. Oh, man, that's a bummer, because he was talking about touring around all around the United States. Can earlier. we smuggle him in? 
Since I, we probably Joking. could. Since the uh, United States government... You can't come to the United States? I can't go to Canada. ...will consider me a felon, it's possible I'll be barred from entering the U.S. for life once I'm sent to Canada. I'm hoping my wife will be in a cabinet post or be the premier of British Columbia in about a decade. So under those circumstances, it will be hard for the U.S. to bar me. By the way, I have a photograph of about 100 people at the last Porcupine Freedom Festival holding free Mark Emery signage. Wonderful photograph. Thanks for keeping me in your thoughts and actions. Now, I don't know who it was that put that together. It, it might have been Sovereign Curtis, uh, one of the co-hosts on this show. I, I'm not positive on that, but uh, that was one of the things that happened normally every year at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. There's a huge group photo uh, that is taken with literally hundreds and hundreds of people uh, in it on this hillside at Rogers Campground. And it's just a tremendously large uh, photo. And this year it happened to be really awful the weather was just really just for that moment the, the yeah. whole weekend was beautiful weather but for the yeah. moment of the photo it was really drizzly and just crappy everyone was rushing take the photo right. <laughs> take the picture but uh, nonetheless <laughs> hundreds of people still did turn out yeah for people it. Feel, yeah I, I, I came out in the rain to be in it i was near, i was actually in the middle of a script reading at the time and i i broke it up to go do the photo and same so. here. Um, I, you know, the, the picture probably wasn't quite as big as last year, although the turnout was bigger than last year. Overall, yeah. Yeah, and and I felt that uh, people needed to know that it was what a group it was because it's one thing to hear that oh, a thousand liberty activists mm-hmm. went to Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's another to entirely to see the picture yeah. of what five hundred of those people or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, in in a photo, and you're like, whoa. It's something, yeah. and it was, so it was after that they after they took the main picture that uh, some other folks went over along the side, like like you said, like a hundred people held up free Mark Emery signs and uh, sent him over to to Mark something for him to look at while he's in unfortunately behind bars. I so, gotta send him a postcard. Yep, uh, you can do that. Uh, go to cannabisculture.com to learn how to get in touch with Mark Emery. And hour number two is coming up. Death, its shadow followed Paul. Its hot breath had flowed across the back of his neck. Its cold fingers had caressed his throat. As Paul dabbles in the occult world of the Ouija board, a dangerous netherworld opens up to him, and he discovers the frightening possibility that a demonic dimension may be merging with our own. Read Matthew Wayne's debut novel, The Ouija's. To find out more, available now as an ebook at IPIC Publishing, IPICpublishing.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing in toll-free 800-259-9231, SACL CAI toll-free line 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there for free. In fact, you can control the content of the website by submitting different ideas, show prep suggestions, stuff like that. Things you think our listeners will enjoy. You just use the uh, submission form, you put the info in there, you put the URL in, type a little description up, submit it, then other listeners get to vote on whether they like or dislike, and the most liked will make it to the front page and the top of our website, meaning we're more likely to talk about them. Holy crap, I thought that music was never going to stop. Yeah, the <laughs> board up was probably out smoking or something. So here we are. We'll take your calls, 800-259-9231. And uh, so coming up here, we've got the, uh, I guess, Dale, you want to talk about a false dichotomy, and I want to definitely get to that. But I mentioned this Arizona story, so let me throw that out here because we haven't discussed it yet uh, in any depth on Free Talk Live in the past few days. As you know, the last time we talked about it was earlier this week uh, when the news was that people who were of a, say, brown tinge were uh, moving out of Arizona because on Thursday – 
their new crackdown police state law was expected to go into effect. Then the federal government, uh, some court decided to step in and uh, essentially say, no, you can't do this. And that's where this article uh, from the Associated Press picks up. And of course, the, you know the, the the viewpoint on free talk live is a little mixed. So this on, is a specific action that the sheriff is trying to doing that the court is saying no, not the no, law. no. It's not just the sheriff. Uh, the uh, the entire law. Oh, the entire law is Arizona. actually being challenged by the court. Okay, right. Uh, the federal government it hasn't thrown out the entire law as I understand it, but the, okay. the, some of the relevant portions that everybody was all jazzed up about the the police state, some of the police state stuff they did uh, put put a hold on basically, and and they turned overturned it, and Arizona is appealing that now, etc. And so the perspective on Free Talk Live has been kind of mixed, right? Because on one hand, uh, bittersweet. Right. On one hand, we like the idea of freedom and people being able to cross free people being able to cross borders freely. On the other hand, we also like the idea of smaller governance and you know getting rid of the federal government. So here, on one hand, you've got the federal government stepping in and arguably doing something that is somewhat positive in aggregate for uh, for freedom of people in Arizona, the people that are you know trying to make a better life for themselves, the immigrants. So on that one hand, you've got that sort of like some it's, people a, it's a it's a it's sort of a a, a battle sort of one possibly not great for the war <laughs> right well i mean so it's not going to end it's not going to end the federal government or do anything like that in fact it enforces their power and everything on the other hand uh it's it's positive one of the positive aspects of this is that it's going to piss off the people of arizona the you know the the more racist types or the uh, the bigoted types that you know don't want those uh, people there and maybe that'll drive them to uh i mean they're not all bigots i guess but they certainly certainly seems that way when you hear what their their rhetoric uh, but maybe it'll drive them to seceding from the United States or something like that. I don't know. Maybe there'll be some long-term positive, uh, directly positive result for right. For I secession. think there's plenty of people out there that say that um, that that you know that say in their hearts and their minds that this is the law and the law should be enforced, and that America simply can't handle an influx of uh, of people from, especially from one particular nation, uh, you know, coming in and, sw- and swooping in and taking all the low-paying jobs. We like our our economy and our our culture simply can't handle it. Yeah, right? so we pointed out that's total nonsense well it may it, it doesn't matter whether they're right or yeah. not it just matters whether they're genuine or not um they are on the same side as the bigots but i, I don't think that that makes them bigots do you no. know i mean no, i agree just, with you i agree with you but it, that's how it comes off typically and it, it can sound that way but I, I don't think that it, it really i don't think it benefits anything to well they're bigoted against people who are from the outside of uh, the united states right i mean they're bigoted against them Bigot, bigotry isn't necessarily racism right i think that's the uh, i think that's what people are thinking in this in- instance okay well i'm pointing out bigotry is not necessarily racism so a lot of these people are the we're the closed club now you know we let these people come in here from wherever the hell they were coming from whether they're brown or not and now it's all closed off we don't want you anymore etc so i mean from one from one perspective it's a shame that arizona wasn't allowed to do this, drive all the good, hardworking immigrants out, uh, have them go and get jobs in the rest of the country, and then watch as Arizona uh, suffers from the economic watch downturn. The death spiral. Yeah, <laughs> that will inevitably happen from that. And go ahead, you, you have yourself your little police state and see how that works out for you as kind of an experiment, right? So there's no real good positive liberty position, I don't think, that can be really, really taken on. I don't know. I really don't want to. I know there's people who say, there's people who have an attitude that they want the government to get worse and worse so that people will see it for what it is and it'll go down faster and be opposed uh, more readily and, and... uh, and and just and just as it becomes more of a police state and becomes more economically burdened uh, burdensome, that it will collapse under its own weight and all this stuff. But and they want to speed that along. But my thought is, um, well, I don't know. First of all, I don't think that's the only and necessary way to go to 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 deal with 
um, a, 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 a police state. And and secondly, I just Wait a I minute, just what do you I, mean? the only way well, to go the, to deal the with whole the idea state. that you know that you need to that you just the government has to just do every horrible thing until it collapses. You know, economically, uh, as far as pissing people off so much that they finally oppose it, things like that. Um, I don't think that's the only way to go to deal with a, 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 an expansive government, for one thing. And secondly, I'm not ready to, like, sacrifice people along the way. Uh, in this case, some people will be, uh, you know, a whole bunch of people who would have been punished or whatever had this been able to go through are, oh, are probably still not. Be I'm not. It's going to be... You know? No, no, they're still going to be punished. In fact, that's what the story is about: is how one mm. one sheriff, guess who, oh, is, I, uh, I, is is ready to lead the charge. How about we start at the beginning of the alphabet for guesses? Yeah, he's ready to uh, to lead the charge to say "f you" to the federal government. So, on one hand, I see what you're saying, Dale, but on the other hand, do you want to support the federal government? I don't want to support the federal government. Right, so there's I'm, no not, good I'm not answering. Well, no, here. no, I, I'm I'm just saying that uh, you know, it, it, to me, it's it's out of my hands. I, I don't. You're right about that. I, it's out of my hands. I'm just looking at it as as you know, it's just a fortuitous thing, uh, perhaps. Is, is it fortuitous though? I don't know about that uh, because there's certainly a lot of uh, stuff that's going to come out of it. Let's start with the Associated Press, the showdown. Over Arizona's immigration law played out in court and on Phoenix's sun-splashed streets on Thursday as the state sought to reinstate key parts of the measure and angry protesters chanted that they refused to live in fear. Dozens were arrested, so mass arrests of some of these protesters down in Arizona. A federal judge's decision a day. So, earlier, what do you think is better, just to pack up and leave Arizona? If you, if you have that uh, that tent and you don't and you don't have any reason to particularly particularly stay, you can go to some other state. What do you think is a better idea? Get the heck out of Arizona. I think you're crazy to live in Arizona if you love freedom. Yeah, I think it's crazy. Okay, whoever you are, if you if you're looking for more freedom, and I think most immigrants that come here are looking for more freedom, you, you're mad to stay in Arizona with it with people like Joe Arpaio around, and we'll talk about him in a moment. A federal judge's decision a day earlier to block the strict law's most controversial elements didn't dampen the raging immigration debate. The judge has been threatened. Protesters rallied in cities from Los Angeles to New York. The sheriff of the state's most populous county vowed to continue targeting so-called illegal immigrants. But sheriffs in other counties have said uh, they're not enforcing this crap. Have they? Yeah. Lawmakers or candidates in as many as 18 states, well then in that case I would say stay the hell out of Sheriff Joe Arpaio's uh, county. That man's... He's a madman and a it's, sadist. It's and the, a, basically the county in Arizona, though, you know? Yeah. The lawmakers and uh, candidates in as many as 18 states say they still want to push similar measures along the – because it's popular, right? Because they perceive that these measures are popular and that uh, that will get them reelected. And It's true. It's a very populist message, the, uh, the idea that you know, the immigrants are here Ill- that are here illegally are stealing jobs. Someone they're, to hate, the yeah, boogeyman. They're, they're uh, sucking off of the, uh, the welfare, which to me is a welfare problem, not, a, uh, not an immigration problem. It's, it's one of those buzz issues that – there's certain buzz issues that will get a certain contingent of people really fired up to get involved politically. And those are your like foot soldiers in a political campaign. And so that's the thing. You pick a really hot and fired up issue like this, you'll really piss off a, a whole contingent of voters that just won't vote for you. But the people who love you, uh, who abs- and then the people who will vote you for it, before you for it, uh, will probably kind of cancel that out. And then you'll have the people, if, because it's such a hot issue for certain people, you'll get your foot soldiers out of that. I mean, that's where you're going to get people that will go out and... Go to door 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 for you, canvas neighborhoods. Donate money to your campaign. I mean, that's that's what that sort of issue does for someone like. And that. it also gives people a boogeyman, some something to be afraid of, something to uh, right. They can as use the as government, uh, you know, polarizing. As, yeah, as the government fiddles while they burn America, uh, we we got to make sure we keep the immigrants out. We we had this we had this uh, a 
totally a two-party system by the nature of the system, and it's a polarizing sort of issue, which which uh, was actually what is the whole point of politics in a two-party right. system. Is very the, the biggest problem that we have in this nation is the people that we uh, elect to run it, not the people that come here in order to make a little bit more money than the way they were at home. Exactly, but the uh, the boogeyman of the immigrant keeps them distracted, keeps Americans distracted with someone to hate when they should be looking at the politicians as the real uh, the real problem. There's more coming up here. We'll tell you more about what's happening in Arizona. Also, take your calls at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Ovaltine. Nutritious vitamins and minerals and a delicious chocolate taste for your picky eaters. Be sure to visit us at OvaltineUSA.com. With kids, food battles are more about control than about food. If you want to avoid a battle with your picky eater, give them a say in what they eat. At dinner, let them choose between broccoli or fruit salad. At the supermarket, give them three cereals to pick from. The more control they have, the less there is to argue about. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. Take control of the airwaves and dial in via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Hey, join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The wiki is there with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. W-I-K-I wiki.freetalklive.com. From coast to coast, the increasingly militarized American police state has grown out of control. Peace officers have become law enforcement officers. It's an epidemic of police brutality and murder across our society. The answer? Film the cops and put it on YouTube. A critical mass of police brutality videos is being assembled online, and a change is going to come. Check out freedomcam.net. They offer discreet video cameras to help you avoid confiscation while you video. Freedomcam.net is also having a uh, summer sale on uh, spy cam, uh, spy video cams. It's uh, freedomcam.net. All right, let's continue here. We're talking about Arizona where things are getting pretty heated. Uh, they're getting in very interesting after the, uh, the Arizona government people passed this law that essentially is a, a police state crackdown on people. Whenever the cops approach you, they're going to demand that you show some sort of – They can. I don't know, birth certificate or whatever. Uh, and they're going to start targeting everybody because, well, it's intended to target immigrants, but they're going to have to target everybody. Not that I support targeting immigrants. I support none of this. I think it's horrible. Uh, but that's what's happening. And then the federal government has stepped in and said, no, you can't do some of this stuff. They didn't say you can't do everything, but they said mm-hmm. no to some of the key provisions. Arizona is appealing that. Uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio is in, is vowing to enforce the law anyway in uh, defiance of what the federal government is saying. Right. Well, the, the suggestion that this, this law really didn't do anything except sort of obligate the um, – sort of morally obligate the police. Didn't you actually – obligate the police to do this but um you know the 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 idea that cops aren't checking to see if people are illegal immigrants in some states come on let's be serious here let's go to your phone calls uh there's more to the story uh, but first let's talk to ed in utah you're on free talk live hello ed ed utah going once ed in utah hey i'm here hey there you are hey thanks guys sure what's on your mind hey i appreciate what you guys just said last minute there where, yeah, if the, if the police are going to start asking everybody to show their papers, that's definitely a police state and not what we want. Well, would it matter if they only, start, uh, if they only asked one out of every ten people to show their papers? I mean, I think any time they're asking no. people to show their papers when they're approached on the street is, is pretty police state-ish. Yeah, I don't, I don't want any of that. 
Um, I think that what I had an issue with, though, and a concern and wanted to question you guys about it, is I don't think the immigrants are coming here just to make some extra money. What do you, you think know, they're coming from, here for? Well, there's a lot of freebies attached. Indeed, uh, sure. And I, yeah, I, I, and I, I so hope I, I made it. There's a big package deal they're coming here for, and that's not mm, the right thing. Maybe some either. of them. I, I think that some of the, I think absolutely some of them are, um, Ed. And I think that here, let me let me draw an analogy for you. Is this is how I feel that America is sort of set up today? Um, America says. Uh, that, you know, we've got some stray cats around, so let's put out a bowl of uh, cat food for the stray cats that can't seem to, uh, you know, handle uh, feeding themselves. And then some other stray cats from other neighborhoods come to eat out of the, bo- the bowl of free stuff, and we shake our fists and try to shoot at the cats. What kind of sense does that make? If you don't want stray cats, you stop putting out bowls of free food. Do you understand what I'm saying? I shouldn't be obligated to feed um, somebody who can't, uh, somebody's child who can't get a job or won't get a job or or whatever in San Diego. Yeah. So why should I not be obligated to feed somebody's child who won't get a job over in uh, uh, Ciudad uh, Juarez? So to continue the analogy, uh, in order to get rid of the stray cats, you get rid of the bowls of milk, and then you'll just have the cool cats that just you know want to you know be cool and yeah. work and eat stuff. the eat the mice. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think government has any role in welfare. Well said, sir. I think it well should said. be left up to states. It should, uh, sorry, yeah, churches mm-hmm. and individuals. I mean. Private organizations that are for the welfare of well, the they people do it right. they want to serve is great. Right. They do I mean, so the, much better, yeah. Right. The <laughs> private organizations help people in a way that is actually productive. Instead of just getting them hooked on a check or something like that, they actually t- you know, keep up with them to make sure that they're doing all right and that they're out looking for a job and they're getting training. Right. Think, like they, Goodwill, they for keep, instance. They, 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 they cull out the people that don't want to get a job or anything like that. They, yeah. it, it's, the, it's the people that, that actually need it that get it from, uh, from the... Uh, the, the the not-for-profits. Also, when it when you look at it, the government is always less efficient than than a private organization. So I by don't magnitudes, think, yeah. I, by, I I don't think you'd need a seventh of the money given to not-for-profits that give, gets put into the uh, the welfare system. Essentially, right. as I've heard the numbers, There's so much bureaucracy being propped up right, and administrators seven, and and, and know, mooches off the system. Seventy cents on every welfare dollar it goes to buildings and bureaucrats and not to poor people. And how many of and the thirty cents right, go the 30 to people that don't need it. Gets split by whatever number, and we don't know um, by you know people that are professional mooches and third generation welfare recipients mm-hmm. with people who actually need it. So when you're you're looking at those kind of numbers, it could very well be that you know a, a seventh, an eighth of the money is actually needed to be funneled through charities. Because people always say, but if it wasn't mandatory, then everybody wouldn't pay their fair share. They don't need to. <laughs> we just need a seventh of the money that currently gets it's, funneled it's, through it's, welfare. They're, they're less about they're less about actually benefiting people in the most effective way, and more about spreading the misery equally. Mm, indeed. You know, it's like I yeah, want I, the other people to suffer because I, you know, I, I I think poor people need money, and I'm willing to give some of my money as long as he suffers too. So, you know? uh, Ed, do you have any other thoughts you want to share? Well, um, yeah, I I don't know if you guys have uh, taken a look at the LDS churches welfare programs. I've not. No. Um, you might find it really interesting. I mean, the LDS Church is a forerunner in helping those who need it all over the world. Um, the membership of the church donates any monies. You know, it's not anything required. It's just donated stuff, and they do a really good job at it. And I think that that would be a good plan for any organization to follow and get the government out of it. And my maybe my last comment is, is you know, I think our immigration situation has got problems on both sides. There's people coming here with a really scary attitude and not much education about what to do what's right. 
you know, that's right. And like then who? there's gov- sorry. Like who? You got you to be more specific. Okay, well, there's people that come and say, well, I'm entitled to a free education. I'm entitled to free health care. I'm entitled. What the, what the heck have we told them for the last 30 or 40 or 50 years? You mean the federal yeah, government? And, and it's because our government is misinforming them and they're getting the wrong message. And that's where our government is. Well, they're, they're it's not a, my government. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the fact is, it's if you're going to blame that on somebody, I guess the only people you can blame that on is the American people. Yeah. I mean, they've sat around and said, OK, I guess it's OK if we make sure if the government makes us pay for poor people. Well, if then then poor people that live outside of the country say, what about me? I want yeah. free stuff, well, too. It's not, I don't it's, want those well, people in this country. Sure. Agreed. I don't want them to come anywhere near here. I want the poor that want to work for a better life to exactly. come here. But the there's only one way you're going to get it. Right. And well, those yep. people are coming. I, I firmly Indeed. believe the majority of immigrants are, are people that just want a better uh, life for themselves. And some of them are certainly going after welfare, but it's not as easy to uh, to get your hands on. The vast majority of the economists that take, a, that take a sort of middle road fair look at this rather than pay somebody who's paid by some right wing organization. The the economists say that, that uh, immigrants are a net benefit currently today are a net benefit to the economy. Hey, Ed, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 1-800-259-9231. Billy is in Jackson listening to the TJ Network. Hello, Billy. Billy in Jackson? Yes. Hey, you're on the air. Yes. How are y'all tonight? Super. What's on your mind, Billy? Well, you know, we hear a lot of talk about the immigrants and everything, but one of the things that I'm not hearing a lot of about is the security of the borders. If Let's talk about it, Billy. Hey, can you, if you can hang on, we'll let you talk about it here in a moment. More with Billy in moments at 800-259-9231. Security of the border. We will uh, discuss it. Billy sticks with us. 1-800-259-9231. Your calls are welcome as well. Take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated talk show on more than 80 talk radio stations from Alaska to Florida. We've been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation twice. And the number one political podcast on podcastawards.com four out of the last five years. You can have access to our 80 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for as little as $500 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com where you can enjoy stuff like our webcam. Head over to cam.freetalklive.com. You can watch and listen as well as chat. We've got uh, got it set up to where the chat room is built into the same page as the Free Talk Live webcam. So it's all there and it's all free. Go to cam. FreeTalkLive.com, the webcam brought to you by MemoryDealers.com. Yeah, Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. They offer great prices and services on uh, used networking equipment, uh, such as Cisco routers and switches. They offer the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers that are 100% compatible with all the major networking equipment manufacturers at up to 99% off of list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. You can uh, check them out at MemoryDealers.com. All right. Again, toll-free number 800-259-9231. Let's go back to Billy. He's listening uh, to the TJ Network in Jackson, Tennessee. Billy, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, Good to hear you guys. Hey, good to have you back. So you wanted to talk about the uh, border security. Go ahead with your thoughts. Well, 
you know, an open border means anybody can come across the border. From You know, we need to have checks and balances in place. Our enemies, such as al-Qaeda or anyone that decides they don't well, like wait, well, it. Doesn't slow, stop slow any of that. Slow, doesn't slow stop down. Anymore. I want to just make sure you're aware of what you're saying. Uh, you're peppering your words with uh, kind of this communal speak uh, that we've all been trained to uh, to speak in, uh, but I think is really mis- a mistake. Uh, you say we, this, and our enemies. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't really feel like I have any enemies per se. Um, what makes you think that Al Qaeda is your enemy? It's uh, because of the things that I guess you know we have been told or, or heard through the government. So the government which, uh, told you this. Now, when the government the, tells this you is things, the same government, don't forget, that um, had al-Qaeda, uh, they were writing checks to al-Qaeda in the 80s. I mean, so at one point, al-Qaeda was our friend, and now al-Qaeda is our enemy. And one would, if, if you're going to use but, those collective terms, and well, how about... the only enemies that the United States have. How about people, we, uh, in order to... you prosperous... How about in order to you know, get to the point, we talk... There's people who don't like you, there's people who... Want to harm you sure. because hey. you, you're a prosperous country. Stop for just and a moment so we can move the conversation forward. How about for the sake of argument, we don't use the term al-Qaeda. We say uh, someone who intends uh, innocent people harm in some form of terrorism or something, okay? okay well, how does uh, immigration is not going to stop that. I mean, someone only needs to go on vacation in America to do a terrorist attack. They don't need to oh, move ab- here. Absolutely, but... If you can just walk across the border anywhere and the borders are not secured, then it makes it much easier to get in. It's kind of hard to uh, um, get in through border checks. Well, you don't really want them secure. You just said, you know, people are going to come here for vacation and stuff. And that's, you know, and essentially that's what a lot of people do. They just come here for vacation and then they don't leave. So you have to, what are you going to do to, um, what are you going to do about that? Someone who say, oh, I'm coming on vacation and then they just don't leave. And they, you know, they're not hurting anyone there's or anything. There's the amount of elements that you can't stop. There, there's no way you can stop. But so how would a wall, you like, can. you want to build a wall? Do you want to build a wall on the border? Are you going to let people no. cross the wall? Are you, do you want to build a wall at the border? Um, I, I just, I feel like that you stop the people from coming in that you can. You, you do not leave an open door for anyone who wants to do us harm. How much that, that you can glow. I see where you're coming from, Billy. How much inconvenience do you think is appropriate? Like for the for the average person or businessman or a trucker or whoever that's, you know, crossing the border for either pleasure or business or whatever, how much inconvenience do you think is appropriate? We should have uh, border crossings, but when you come to them, you know, you don't go out here and wave the river and and, and cut a hole in the fence and jump the fence and come in. I mean, there's legal ways to come in. If you want to work I'm sure there's a way that we can get you a visa to come in to work. If we're short of workers, Billy, then you you, you didn't. You, first of all, you you're, you again you're you're saying we this and we that as though some central authority would know how many workers the country needs. So gov- some government bureaucrat somehow as, in possession as if of this some bureaucrat is as competent as you are because they're not. Uh, and and really, you didn't answer my question either. I asked you how much inconvenience is appropriate. I mean, how how long should one have to wait before one can just cross through the border through all these checks and things like that that you might have in mind? Just curious. I don't see an an issue with being able to cross the border. You just you need to know what's coming in our borders as far as weapons and so guns maybe like five like hours. That. I mean, would five hours sitting and waiting as you know you're waiting for everybody to be there's, interviewed there's and checked. Body- Hmm? You, you can't put a preset time. I mean, I'm we just have asking you, what, what, Ian, B, Billy has a good point here. Borders. 
Billy, I agree that if you're going to run a, a, the, the world's policing organization, um, which I don't want to, I, I don't think I'm obligated to pay for the world's largest military it, to, that runs all over the world killing people's families when um, when I don't feel like doing that. Yes, if you do that, if the military is um, you know doing that and the CIA is doing that, of course people will want to come in here and create terror. I think it's a multi-pronged approach. If you're going to have a open borders and that's what i'm for you need to have a military that's if if you're going to have a military it needs to stay within its own borders like the vast majority of militaries on the planet how do you feel about that billy um i agree with you a lot of that i believe we need to stay within our own borders the only time i think we need to leave our borders is when we are directly threatened now when you say we you mean you mean the united states federal government right the country that we live in. Right, because I'm not the person... Afghanistan is not threatening us. I see. Right, but do, do you see, there. Billy, that the whole threatening paradigm, and, and I, I get where I agree with what you're saying, but the whole threatening paradigm is dangerous because I believe I don't know about you, but in 19 uh, or it's 2003 or whatever when we attacked Iraq, I felt threatened because the, the news media, um, you know, had kind of whipped everybody up, Democrats and Republicans alike. There were very few people that were against it, and it turned out it was all based on bull crap. It was uh, you know old uh, old intelligence and intelligence that was gained through torture and. It turned out there were no nuclear weapons of mass destruction. There were some some uh, old sarin gas containers, but they were decades old at that point. And so this threatening thing can be just something that the CIA whips up, you know? To make it so that you get behind uh, war efforts so they can continue to fund their military-industrial complex, etc. Well, so, there's no doubt our government uses things to their favor, without a doubt. So and how about this one, then? Let's, an let's say... That... Oh, go ahead, Billy. Or... It's hard to deal with an issue like that. I mean, there's no way that you and I as an individual is going to be able to tell what is truth and what is fabricated. Well, you or, can pretty much believe threat. that if, if the government is saying it, it's probably not true. I mean, that's just a general I – mean, the politicians are not the most honest people. So I guess my question, uh, Billy, is if you actually had a situation where the U.S. military wasn't invading other countries and killing people around the world, angering them, uh, making them want to lash out at the United States, would you be all right with having uh, you know open borders and letting free people cross borders freely? Um, no. No. Well, why not? Not, not totally open borders. Um. What's wrong with freedom? It, I, I think it's hard on our economy just to have open borders. Why? Products, uh, products and services. prosperous and, and does so well within itself if everybody in the world says, hey, let's go there because, you know, we get, like the other guy said, free well, this and free that. First of well, all, yeah, you're, you're right. We'd have I to. I feel like you've got to have some kind of control and be able to control the influx if, uh, he who attempts to control others, Billy, will inevitably find himself being controlled. As we already pointed out, ending welfare would be a really important so point. So if, if we stop the military uh, expansion that we have and stop welfare, which includes public schools and hospitals being uh, required to give free medical attention to people that they know can't pay, if we stop those things, are you for free and open borders, Billy? I'm not for free and open borders. I would be more for... Um, Helping other countries to develop and learn to uh, do what they can. With the I don't want to pay for have. that, Bill. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to write those countries checks. 
I don't understand uh, no, no, no. what I, the qualm I, is with open borders after those things are gone. Well, wait a minute. Billy, if you want to help other countries, you set your country free and show people what freedom does. It's, it's unrealistic to believe then that some of their every... citizens will come here, they'll learn about it, and right. then they'll go home. It's, un- it's unrealistic to believe that everybody it in the world is going to come here. It don't take but one or two bad apples to spoil the whole barrel. I mean, when you, you open your borders up to just anyone... Uh, you know, you've got to have a certain amount of You think bad apples control. only come from other of, across the border? Hang on, Billy. If you want, <laughs> oh, we can yeah. continue this discussion here in a moment. More with Billy, uh, 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. So we've tried to knock down some of the objections, but he's still in favor of border control. I've been where Billy has been before. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features on the site. If you enjoy this program, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, and bring more internet listeners on board with the program, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom because, darn it, that's important. So go to amp.freetalklive.com and you'll get perks too, like the amp-only call-in lines, the amp-only forum, uh, amp-only podcast, which is absent our normal podcast commercials. Uh, you'll get all of that and more over at amp.freetalklive.com. I just wanted to address that bad apples comment. That Let's bring Billy right. back on. I think he's still with us. Billy listening to the TJ Network in Jackson. Are you there? Hi, Billy. Yes, now, what? can you okay. recap real quick what you said about bad apples? Make sure we, we were remembering correctly. He, he said a couple bad I don't take... Oh. Well, it just takes a you know a bad apple or two to spoil everything, the whole barrel, the the whole immigration system. If if we have completely totally open free borders, well, let me address the bad apples well, comment before you go on about that. Because okay. Uh, okay, my first thought is, how do you define a bad apple, and are there bad apples already on the side of the border? And oh, if so, do we get to kick them out? The What's that? Yeah. Um, there's bad apples on both sides of the borders, but one of my biggest, con- uh, one of my concerns. So, how do you define is, the bad apple? Like, bad apple is uh, criminals, people who, um, you know. Well, if someone's a criminal, then we we address people. that a certain way, right? I mean, we have criminals already inside the border. We Billy, the uh, the American conservative way. magazine, absolutely, and you know that brings up the question of if you got open borders, what's to stop other countries, other places? who open in their criminal system and say, hey, we don't want to feed you, we don't want to house you, we want to take care of you, we'll put you out here, you go to the United States. I mean, Well, not all criminals are bad guys. I, mean, I don't know if you know this, Billy, but Australia was actually created as a uh, penal colony. So was Georgia. Um, as a matter of fact, most of, most of Americans that, uh, that can trace their lineage back to some people that were shipped over here for crimes. So that kind of goes I, against I, the bad I, apples I, spoiling I the bunch. That. I understand that. Uh, and I have read that in the past but 
Do we want that to stay in time? Well, the answer is, is we, it depends on the crime. I mean, do you want an axe murderer released across the border? I, I, I don't think we want that. However, um, you know, these are, these are sort of scare tactics. The American Conservative Magazine recently had an article in it where they compared, and nobody's done this, and if they have done it, they don't publish it, and here's the reason. It's because Hispanics, that's illegal and legal, all mixed together, Hispanics of a certain, of any age group, are basically about as criminally oriented as whites are of that same um age bracket so you can't say so the the idea that hispanics are committing more crimes it may be true if you look at uh, their population versus ours it's just that their population tends to be younger because they're crossing borders there aren't any septuagenarians with canes trying to to get across the rattlesnakes in the rio grande well to begin with they know when they cross the border they're committing a criminal act. Of you commit a criminal act illegal. every day, Billy. Don't give me that crap. <laughs> Haven't you ever sped? Do you know how many? I mean, do you, do you have out-of-date of, medication in your your medicine cabinet? Do you know how many millions of laws are on the book? Do you know that like there's there's actually statistics out there that people are breaking oh, laws, break every, laws day. every day. I mean, as soon as as soon as we make it illegal it, to cross the border, then yes. Yeah, you don't know is when you maliciously uh, break. Uh, a law like they're maliciously when you maliciously do you ever speed wait wait there's a difference between wait 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 wait. now the hold on billy there's a difference between breaking a bunch of laws that you don't know about do you ever speed you get caught speeding the law pulls in behind you do you take off and and run from the law no because they're gonna kill me but no they're not gonna yes they will if i take off and run they could possibly shoot me or run me off the road and they're probably gonna give you a tune-up when they do catch you i'm sorry what billy you're breaking the law that you know it's bad enough, you need to run, you broke the law and you need to run, then you're a criminal. It's, it's not just something I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm, I'm, we must be miscommunicating bit. here. Did, have you ever sped, is my question. Okay. Have you, Billy, ever sped? Have you ever gone higher in your vehicle than the speed limit? Did you go 40 and a 35? Absolutely, I have. You're that- an illegal, Billy. How's it feel? It it feels pretty good knowing that if the law pulls behind me, I'll stop and I'll take my ticket. But you broke it and, knowing you're. But you you're so you're admitting you're an illegal though, right? I mean, you have you ever drank under uh, the age of twenty one? No, I haven't. Really? really? <laughs> Come well, on. A few. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, <laughs> right. thanks, Billy. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. Billy's an illegal. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You know what's interesting? Just before we go on, we got a lot of people that want to talk about this. Obviously, anytime we talk about immigration, it just opens up the floodgates. And I appreciate everybody who's called in. But I want to make one statement about uh, one thing that Billy said there, and is this idea of the scary people coming in, right? You know, there's axe murderers and rapists and uh, drug dealers and all these right. terrible people coming in here. Now, isn't it interesting that this is coming from, and I'm, I'm going to jump to a conclusion here and say that Billy's a conservative. I'm just going to jump to a conclusion. Uh, now, isn't it interesting that this is coming from the same kind of people that have this pro-gun mentality, right? The conservatives supposedly get it about owning firearms. They, they understand that, you know, when you own firearms and you don't put your defense in the hands of the government, you're more sure. likely to be able to defend against a criminal. When um, seconds count, the law is only minutes away. Right. Now, cons- conservatives tend to understand about this. Am I right about that? Like, Generally. Conserv- they get it. So, uh, so on one hand, you've got this, you know, these big, tough, uh, gun-toting conservatives who are saying, Mommy, government, please keep me 
safe from those axe murderers who are coming across the border. And Why don't you just trust yourselves? Why don't you trust <laughs> the American people to take care of their darn selves? Look, if an axe murderer comes across the border into uh, the, the so-called United States where they come into you know Texas or some other place where it's gun relatively gun-free. I mean, it's a, a, there's gun freedom in these yeah. areas. Like, you can carry guns. There's, it's not as hard in Texas to carry a gun as it is or in Arizona or whatever uh, as it is in New York City, for instance, or in Washington, D.C. So why would someone who is violent want to come into an area where people are armed? Don't conservatives... Well, that's the whole point of wanting to protect their Second Amendment rights, right? Right. So don't they get that? How about that? compromise? How about you, you get to keep your Second Amendment rights... So that you, just in case these violent people coming over the borders, uh, and that way you can protect yourself from from all those people, whether they're locals or whether they came over came over the border. Right. I mean, that's what gets me about the bad apple comment. I mean, hold on. He said he admits there's bad apples here. He said bad apple spoils the whole bunch, but he was specifically re- referring to bad apples from over Other the places. border. Yeah. Wait, what is the difference between a bad apple that's here and a bad apple over the border? Right. Are you somehow the whole bad apple spoiling the bunch? I yeah. mean. Are you are you less av- uh, less able to defend yourself against a Mexican home invader versus uh, you know a white home invader? I mean, the gun fires the well, same a Mex- bullet. A Mexican a Mexican home invader uh, will spoil the bunch, but a white home invader. We deal with them in some other way or whatever. I don't well, know. But, but not just, do, do you understand where I'm coming from here? I mean, the, these people who, under, who generally seem to get the idea that individual gun ownership keeps people safe right. are basically pawning off their protection, uh, the, the idea of who's going to keep them safe, not on themselves, but on the government. They're saying, well, well we need a big government to you know, have border security. That, that so being we can afraid keep of criminals come out. across the border is a load of crap. They just, they just want protectionism. They just want it. They're just it's just about, you know, kind of being greedy and keeping everything to yourself and and from people who, who honestly just want to earn what they get and are going to add to the economy here. They're going to produce things and, and trade and sell and buy uh, mm-hmm. to in our economy and, and support themselves. And there's nothing to be uh, there's no need to be worrying about the, you know that you have to keep everything to yourself and hoard your little piece of the pie. There's going to be a bigger pie if you let other people contribute to it. You know, so, it? so stop being so terrible terrified of that and that, that's what it's really about it's not about criminals coming over the border because you've got your guns or if you if you don't you should move to a state where you can have guns mm-hmm. like new hampshire and uh and protect yourself and quit expecting the government to do it for you well, like unless you're a bigot. please don't move up here if you're a bigot <laughs> well yeah i prefer you not if you're calling but, people that cross the border bad apples then i have to wonder what <laughs> now also I don't here's know another that that's necessary to, to dig a little deeper isn't it also an implicit admission the statement that we need better border security, we need the federal government to you know, build a wall, to put people on the, on the borders, etc., isn't that statement an implicit admission that our police really suck at keeping us safe, uh, that uh, the, local, you know, the local boys and the stadies, they can't do crap to uh, actually protect us from these murderers and these rapists they're and everything? They're not supposed to. Cops are cleanup crews. They're not, they're right. not uh, you know, uh, crime prevention They'll units. follow a report. But what, wait, if that's an implicit admission that the local boys suck, what makes you think the Border Patrol is going to do a better job of keeping uh, you know, these people out? What makes you think that? What makes you think that the federal government, this big behemoth of an organization, is somehow going to do a better job of keeping you safe than your local cops that are more account- are just a little that's more accountable? That's the other thing. Conservatives, supposedly, at least by rhetoric, are always in favor of local government over right. massive centralized government. 
until they want a certain thing from that massive government right like then it's okay know. then and then there's no proposal that is, to, is that goes too far we've heard everything from underground electric fences to uh to helicopter pads to machine gun turrets so much empty rhetoric oh my god so much empty rhetoric it's so much violent rhetoric it's violent <laughs> rhetoric and it's disturbing we'll take your calls coming up here uh, hour number three is on the way if you're on hold we will get to you do be patient at 800-259-9231 you can take control of the airwaves bring up whatever's on your mind. It doesn't have to be immigration. You can do anything. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. Hour 3, up next. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com this is free talk live you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll free to 1-800-259-9231 that number brought to you by SACL cai 800-259-9231 and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com enjoy all the features there for free uh, again, freetalklive.com features allowing you to actually influence and in, uh, the stuff that we're going to talk about on the air. You control the content of the site by submitting different suggestions for show prep, things that you might think that our listeners would be interested in. You submit it to the website. Other listeners vote up or vote down, and the most voted up make it to the front page of the site, freetalklive.com. Plus, there's a whole lot of other features there like archives, and we'll tell you more about that as time goes on here. Uh, we're going to go and right back, uh, jump right back into the phone calls. People have been waiting patiently to talk. You can bring up anything. Mike is calling from Central America on the amp lines. Hello, Mike. Or actually, not the amp lines, but Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes. Uh, I was wondering, uh, have you all been spend very much time out of the country, out of the United States? Um, I've been to 13 different countries. I mean, do you spend a lot of time out, out of there? Have you lived there? Um, well, no. I mean, I I, I work in the United States, and you know, I have done some traveling. Why do you ask? Because I'm well, not... uh, like I say, the the longer I've I've lived here for two years, and going on a, on a third year now, and uh, but uh, I get a whole different outlook the longer I stay out here, hmm. and then uh, I travel around out here, and I cross borders. And uh, when you were talking about borders, it, uh, I get confused because it sounds as if when you you think uh, the government shouldn't be uh, taking care, excuse me, taking care of our borders, is that correct? I don't think well, the government is taking care of the borders, and I don't think that if you throw enough money at them, that they actually will take care of the borders. That's really what I think. Well, and I don't think the government should exist. Uh, so I think that the the government the is federal co- government. Yeah, I think any government. Sh- I don't think any government should exist. I think they're a coercive criminal gang, and I think if I need protection from anyone, it's from the people calling themselves government more so than uh, somebody who wants to come here and, and make a better life for themselves. 
So that means there's no Constitution? You don't believe in the Constitution? The Constitution, I uh, used to be one of those constitutional guys, uh, so I understand where you're coming from. Uh, you know, I used to have a book about it and read about it and all that stuff. Uh, but then what I realized uh, was similar to what Lysander Spooner realized in the, uh, the late 1800s, and that is that the Constitution is just a set of rules for the government to follow. And I think anybody that looks at uh, the government can tell they clearly don't follow their own Constitution. So uh, it's not something that I have to believe in. It's something that uh, it was a document created for them to uh, to obey, and they don't. So uh, so clearly it's just a men of a gang of men and women that uh, that rule capriciously over uh, peaceful individuals. Okay. So you do believe in the Constitution. You just don't believe it's humanly possible. When you say no, believe in the Constitution, the Constitution... Well, I don't believe in well, it. Well, wait a minute, Mike. <laughs> when you say believe in the Constitution, uh, I don't know what you mean by that. It's a piece of paper with some words on it that were intended to be followed by men and women calling themselves the government, and they didn't. It's, so, a, it's a contract that, that, that some people signed... Uh, and that any, that. some people, some people signed it, and some people swore an oath to it, and they haven't been following their oath. I never swore an oath to it. I, uh, I have not. Well, you were uh, in the military, so you did. Oh, I guess I did right? for, for the military, huh? <laughs> but it's you're really serious, But I think the idea is that people, some people swore an oath to it. Some people signed it a long, long, long time ago, and it applies to them in theory as a contract. But. Uh, and, but it's but the but I but I don't think that it has any special properties. That's just it. I mean, people um, sign contracts, but that only matters like to the extent that they actually abide by what their word. You know, what's so, there to believe in, Mike? I mean, with the, with just the people, you either believe in people or not. And if people have demonstrated that you can't trust them, then then it does, the piece of paper didn't change that. It's only it only matters to oh. the extent that people actually abide by it. Who made us? Who swore to it? So yeah, well. This is what you were saying when you swear to the Constitution. Like I say, I was in the military, and I swore to the Constitution. And if I didn't obey it at that time, this was back in the 60s, uh, I could have been imprisoned or uh, lost my life. I was in Vietnam. So uh, I don't understand. I, I agree with you because I don't understand how these people can swear to the Constitution and not, uh, not obey the Constitution. Well, well actually, they, they? they do. Um, the the fact is they are uh, obeying the Constitution. The Constitution mm-hmm. says that the Supreme Court has an appellate jurisdiction, and the Supreme Court interprets what's constitutional or not. So the, it doesn't matter what you and I read in that document, and I suspect you're reading the same stuff that I do, that the, uh, that the Constitution outlines this sort of uh, government that, uh, that that's supersedes the states, but only in areas that it supersedes the states in, and the ones that aren't mentioned, the states have, have power. And um, But, you know, the fact is is they leave that interpretation up to the Supreme Court. So if the, the Constitution says the, sp- the sky is blue, but the Supreme Court says that it's not blue, it's in fact orange, then the Constitution says the sky is orange because the Constitution says the Supreme Court gets to say what's in it. So, so it doesn't matter what you and I say. So Lysander Spooner was right then when he said that either the Constitution has authorized all the tyranny or it's been powerless to, pre- to prevent it. So you don't believe that the government has a responsibility of taking care of the borders. Well, the actually, Constitution actually doesn't even outline that. <laughs> That's the funny thing. The Constitution essentially, it doesn't even talk about citizenship until the 14th Amendment, which wasn't written until almost 100 years later. You know what, Mike? I don't have to believe anything because uh, there have been several Supreme Court cases that have really outlined what you were just talking about. You said that uh, you know that you don't believe that the government has uh, to, to take care of the borders, etc. Uh, according to Warren versus the District of Columbia, the government and other various other uh, court cases, it has been ruled over and over again by those men in robes called the Supreme Court uh, that the government has no obligation to do anything. 
period. Okay, so if we have open borders, uh, I, you, that's what was puzzling me when I was hearing you talk. You, you, can't, you just cannot allow people to cross uh, on open, you know, openly. Well, well they are pretty much pr- uh, crossing can. openly. I well, mean, I, let's I, not forget that, that there, there are millions and millions of people in the United States that are crossing, and some of them are probably convicted killers. Some of them probably have, uh, uh, you know, drug-resistant tuberculosis. Wait a minute. The government isn't, is failing to take care of that now. Sure, but there's an important point to make here, and that is that I support private property. So, I mean, if you if you don't want people to cross onto your land, then, you know, you should put up a fence or whatever, hire guards or whatever you need to do to keep people off of your land but if i want people to come here onto my land and my friends want people to come here onto their land and like rent houses from them or work from them or whatever from wherever it is they're coming from they should be allowed to don't you think uh in, is there a limit on how many well clearly well, there's allowed. a limit on how many people can Who's come make I, the I can limit. only afford to hire so many people yeah and i can myself. only pe- i can only <laughs> put know? so many people in my rental properties so yeah clearly there's so a market gonna, limit so what are you going to do with the rest of them well, the marketplace I mean, is a really amazing thing. See, the uh, the free market That's is, like asking, what is the grocery store going to do with the extra cans of beans that people don't buy? Yeah, the, the, well, the free market is an amazing thing. It responds to consumer demand and, you know, su- supply and demand is a pretty natural uh, organization. Things just it's happen. It's the invisible hand. Right. So, so what, you don't believe Arizona has got more than they can handle? More what? So. They've got fewer more. now. People are uh, Mexican people are leaving Arizona. There's desert all we'll over see, the place. We'll if see they, just how this will, works in Arizona. If they would open up their economy and let people work who want to work, and let and, and then they can have all they can have they can enlarge their pie there. They can have all kinds of resources for people if they will loosen up their economy. So what they do is they have all trade. these restrictions on people trying to work for a living, on people starting businesses, on all sorts. of they've all sorts of restrictions on the economy that have nothing to do with the, whether or not they're letting in people, letting people cross the border. Well, what it is, taxing what you're the crap out of people. people come to your place. Well, after your place is full, you really don't mm-hmm. want anymore. Sure, well, I can sure, understand I, where you're coming from. Have you been to Arizona? I mean, you asked me if I've traveled before. Have you been to Arizona before? Yes. Uh-huh. It's desert. It's open all over. They don't have too many. Right. They have too few people. We live here in the woods in New Hampshire. It's open all over the place. The United open States is a big, giant place. It yeah. is not full. There is. It's nowhere near capacity. The pie expands every time new people come. When people come across the border, they rent housing. Yeah. They drive cars. They the eat houses, food. New, I swear to God, they, they produce, eat food. They produce food. They help grow food. They make clothes. Way for them to cross the border what you mean by that is that you don't believe what you mean by that is control like you believe that there's some sort of government bureaucrat out there that should have uh, should have total control over people's lives and get to decide whether or not they can come make a better life for themselves i don't i don't don't want any control over people who aren't harming anyone right if they're not harming anyone no let them do what they want if they're not harming anyone. no that that sounds good it does sound good are an american citizen The, well, it no sounds good thing. if you're not an American citizen. There's too. no such thing as, an, uh, as a citizen. Uh, I'm sorry, but you, you're still under a lot of uh, delusions, I'm afraid. And I thank you for the call. I'll explain the citizen uh, claim here in a moment. It's, it's the truth. And I just explained to you why with, that, with those court cases I was talking about. Uh, more on the way. Your calls as well. Coming up, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. In the decades to come, hardy adventurers will colonize the solar system, rediscovering freedom and finding vast new wealth. But the government of Earth will seek to extend its power and claim that wealth as its own any way it can. Escape from Terra, Volume 1. 
The first trade paperback collection of the popular adventure webcomic series is available now for $12.95 from Big Head Press at BigHeadPress.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's uh, the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com, where we give you the features for free, including our archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. And listen, Mark, have you listened to your show last night yet? No, I, I, haven't. I haven't listened to it. It's, tisk, tisk. It's really not that great. How often do you get to host a show all by yourself? <laughs> well, not all by yourself. You had Sean here with you. But uh, how often are you in the lead chair on Free Talk? Live? Not often. It's Months. always a good idea to go back and listen to uh, to yourself just to see what you can improve on because, you know, you might be back again someday. I'd be willing to sit through it and listen to it with you so you can give me pointers. It's always best to just listen to yourself and then, uh, you know, I could, I could do that for haven't you. Got once the time, you. Once you've, got the time once you've invested you, the time in yourself, Mark, I'll yeah. invest some time in you. How about that? Uh, anyway, uh, tell me about uh, Jurisdictionary. Why don't you invest a little? Never mind. <laughs> Every contest involves rules, and every winner knows the rules and how to use them to their advantage. Jurisdictionary.com explains how to use the rules step by step. The the rules of the uh, United States judicial system, how to fill out their forms, get evidence, move the court, set hearings, do research, draft pleadings. It's all there, and it's all set up in the fashion the average eighth grader can grasp in less than 24 hours. You can take your court case to court yourself. It was created by a a doctor of jurisprudence who wants you to know how to protect yourself from members of his profession. Go check it out at Jurisdictionary.com. Now, the Jurisdictionary is pretty useful uh, when the government's coming after you for something, but it's not going to help you if you are trying to uh, get the government to be held responsible for not providing you with some sort of service. This is a point I want to make before we get right back into your phone calls at 800-259-9231, because I made the claim there were no citizens a moment ago, and that sounds very outrageous to someone, someone that doesn't know what that means. I'm a citizen. It's an incredibly... I said the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag right. when I was in school. Oh, and, and, and all these government forms say... You know, you have to sign them admitting that you're a citizen. I and mean, clearly, you must be a citizen, right? The government says so. Well, go ahead and look up the definition of citizen. I have it here for you. It is a uh, member of a state or nation who owes allegiance to its government as it, and is entitled to its protection, meaning that it's a trade deal. You owe allegiance to them. They owe you a duty to protect you. I will do what you say if you keep me safe. That's the deal of the citizen. It's the okay? it's the way the lords it's, always protected the serfs. They had a castle the, for them to run into. Yeah. It's the so-called social contract, which in itself doesn't make much sense, but even if it did... Well, the contract, social contract is much much more uh, voluminous than that in, in its concepts, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> I think it's to. the basis of the... Of I think the it's in there yeah. in the sense that we didn't actually sign anything agreeing to this contract, but that is the implied contract that supposedly we, supposedly we all agree to as so, citizens. So now that you know what a citizen actually is, if you didn't already, go ahead and look up on the internet, search for No Duty to Protect... And you'll find what I'm going to tell you about here. Warren versus the District of Columbia. This is one of the. Uh, this is the first. This excuse me. The second result when you uh, when you search for this. Uh, a U.S. Court of Appeals. This is a case uh, from 1981 in which three rape victims sued the District of Columbia because of negligence on the part of the police. Two of three female roommates were upstairs when they heard men break in and attack the third. After repeated calls to the police for over a half an hour, the roommates' screams stopped, and they assumed the police had arrived. They went downstairs and were held captive, raped, robbed, beaten, and forced to commit sexual acts upon one another and to submit to the attacker's sexual demands for 14 hours. 
The 14 police. hours. The cops couldn't show up for 14 and a half hours. The police had lost track of the repeated calls for assistance. Lost DC, track, repeated calls. D.C.'s highest court ruled that the police do not have a legal responsibility to provide protection to individuals and absolve the police and the city of any liability. The reason they did that, it wasn't a single case. This has been decided over, over and, and over, over again. and over again. Three if results. it wasn't true, then you'd be able to sue the cops um, every time you get robbed for something, every time your house is burglarized. Three more results down, in case you didn't believe me about the Supreme Court. Because that was just the, you know, the D.C. Appeals Court or whatever. Supreme Court, 2005. You can just go through the history here and find these. Uh, June 28, 2005, according to the New York Times, the Supreme Court ruled on Monday that the police did not have a constitutional duty to protect a person from harm, even a woman who had obtained a court-issued protective order against a violent husband, making an arrest mandatory for a violation. So even when they give you a piece of paper that says, okay, ma'am, here you go, here's your, here's your restraining order, now look, if this... Look, if this guy comes back and he he does something, just give us a call. You just let you just let us know, and we'll come out and we'll help you out. Look, it says so right here, and I'm a nice man, and I'll do whatever I can. And I'm not saying that some cops won't do whatever they can. I'm not saying that, but they get lost in the bureaucracy. And this is the organization that you want to protect yeah. your border. I'm well, saying, yeah, it's a, there, there's no obligation. Right. There's no point. obligation, and there's therefore, no responsibility. there's no incentive. It's, it's there's no responsibility. I mean, for no God's citizen. sakes. Hire anybody to do this but the United States government. If there's no responsibility, if there's no duty to protect, then there is no such thing as a citizen because there's no more agreement there. Let me tell you, you more about this You need to hire someone that you could fire if they don't satisfy their side of the contract. So according, in this case, the Supreme Court case from 2005, just a few years ago, the decision with an opinion by Justice uh, Scalia, Stevens, Bader Ginsburg, overturned a ruling by a federal appeals court in Colorado. The appeals court had permitted a lawsuit to proceed against a Colorado town, Castle Rock, for the failure of the police to respond to a woman's pleas for help after her estranged husband violated a protective order by kidnapping their three young daughters, whom he eventually killed. For hours on the night of June uh, June 22nd... What if the Mexican killers come across the border? Well, I'll tell you what if. If they do, you're not going to be able to do anything about it because the government isn't responsible. For hours, Jessica Gonzalez tried to get the Castle Rock police to find and arrest her estranged husband, Simon, who was under a court order to stay 100 yards away from the house. He had taken the children, ages 7, 9, and 10, as they played outside and later called his wife to tell him to tell her that he had the girls at an amusement park in Denver. Ms. Gonzalez conveyed the information to the police, but they failed to act before Gonzalez arrived at the police station hours later, firing a gun with the bodies of the girls in the back of his truck. The police killed him at the scene. So this guy showed up to go kill some cops. The only reason why he ended up getting taken out. They didn't actually go after him. That's because they're not there to protect and serve you. They're there to protect and serve the government. Yep. So she went. She took it. She figured she'd ha- she had a chance. She figured, man, you know, this is cl- case closed, man. I had a protective order. They said they would protect me. They didn't. And there was no obligation. None whatsoever. So, uh, so there you have it. What else do you need to say? I mean, there are more cases like this. You want to go look them up? I just did a quick search. No duty to protect. Within the first five results, I found two cases that back up exactly what I'm saying, that the government people have no duty to provide. Now, this, this is, by the way, across the board. 
right? So if you look into other cases where, like, for instance, somebody gets cut off of uh, their, uh, their the, the, like, uh, Social Security or whatever, whatever, some, some non-police-related obligation that the government supposedly has to you. They said they were going to send you these checks, and then they decided to stop, or the VA, or, you know, you name it. Down the line, they will, the courts will rule over and over again that the government has no obligation to provide you with any services, not just police protection, nothing at all. Anything they do for you or that you feel is for you is just public relations, man. They're just doing yeah. it so it'll look good. That's all. But yeah, try not to fulfill what they expect of you. Mm. <laughs> try that. Exactly. It's definitely a one-way... Uh... This is, we definitely get the short end of the stick here. So, I hope that makes it clear. Uh, citizen doesn't exist. 800-259-9231. If it does, show it to me. Show me a citizen. It's just a legal concept. It's a fiction. It's, a, it's an idea. And it's nonsense. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. There are individuals. That's for sure. We can prove that. More on the way. Take control of the airwaves. Uh, a little more about Arizona and your calls as well. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com and all the features on the site are totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. We've got listening options. Enjoy the live streams in both broadband and dial-up flavors. Our webcam plus listen lines that allow you to call in from uh, any phone that can dial long distance 24-7. You can listen to Free Talk Live with those options. Uh, plus, of course, we've got our great radio stations around the country, 81 of them from coast to coast, uh, as well as our satellite option. Now you can listen in via KU Band free-to-air satellite across North America. So uh, whether you're in Mexico or Canada or the United States or even Cuba, you can listen to Free Talk Live off the bird, as they call it. Get all the details over at listen.freetalklive.com. Now, last hour, uh, before we touched off a stream of uh, phone calls from folks that wanted to, t- to talk about the, uh, the Arizona situation, we were telling you about what's going on in Arizona. We hadn't really even gotten into the meat of the story yet. According to the AP, uh, things are getting pretty... Heated down there, the tensions are rising as the federal government has now overturned portions of their law, this uh, police state law that they've created down there to make it so the cops can go and identify anybody with government paperwork or ask for papers on on any old police contact. So if you're just walking down the street, the government cops will be able to stop you and uh, and force you to turn over your, your papers. Uh, and along the U.S.-Mexico border, life continued as before, according to the AP, with officials sending back people who were captured while attempting to cross. In Phoenix, hundreds of the law's opponents massed at a downtown jail, beating on the metal door and forcing sheriff's deputies, they forced them, to call for backup. Officers arrested at least 32 people, and dozens more were detained elsewhere throughout the day. I don't think beating on the door is a, is, is a very you know, good act. No, not necessarily. But on the other hand, uh, you know, they weren't hurting anybody. Uh, activists, yes. 
<laughs> Activists focused their rage at Maricopa County Sheriff Joe Arpaio, the 78-year-old madman. I inserted that one. Uh, ex-federal drug agent known for his immigration sweeps, also known for the horrific conditions in which he keeps prisoners. This man is sick. Anyway, activists focused uh, their rage on him outside his downtown office. Marchers chanted, Sheriff Joe, we are here. We will not live in fear. One was dressed in a papier-mâché Sheriff Joe head and prison garb. Arpaio said he'd continue with a Thursday sweep. He said, I'm not going to be intimidated and stopped. If I have to go out and get in the car, I'll do it. Activists armed with video cameras and aided by others listening to police scanners roamed the county's neighborhoods, saying they were ready to document any deputies harassing Hispanics. In Tucson, between 50 and 100 people on both sides of the issue gathered at a street corner. About 200 protesters blocked a busy L.A. intersection. And uh, I'd like to point out that uh, Sheriff Joe's guys really don't like it when you videotape them doing uh, whatever it is oh their gosh. job is. So They um, are thugs. If, right. It's, you know, either they're thugs or they've got a really misconstrued idea of what serving the public is like. They may very well be really great upstanding law enforcement officers. We just wouldn't know because the average individual... And even people working for, uh, you know, sort of minor press organizations aren't allowed to videotape them because they are their superiors, you know. About 200 protesters blocked a busy L.A. intersection with police arresting about a dozen who were linked with plastic pipes and chains. In New York, about 300 immigrant advocates rallied near the federal courthouse in lower Manhattan. Uh, So Adelpha Lugo, a 56-year-old Mexican-born Brooklyn resident, joined the protest saying, It's one step closer for us, but I think the fight is still ahead. If we don't fight this in Arizona, this anti-immigrant feeling will spread across the country. Since Wednesday's ruling, U.S. District Judge Susan Bolton has received thousands of phone calls and emails. Some were positive, but others were from people venting who have expressed their displeasure in a perverted way, according to the U.S. Marshal for Arizona. Gonzalez said his agents are taking some of the threats to Bolton seriously. He wouldn't say how many there were or whether any threats were coming from recognized hate groups. He refused to discuss any extra security measures etc. The governor hired lawyers to defend the law in court and hopes the court will act quickly as they have now appealed it to the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco, uh, etc., etc. So there you go. Things are getting pretty heated out there. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. Let's talk to Jim listening in Jackson, Tennessee to the TJ Network. Hello, Jim. Jim, you're on the air with Free Talk Live. Ian, Dale, and Mark. Hello, Jim. Jim in Tennessee, going. he's gone already then, 800-259-9231. So what will end up happening here, I, you know, it remains to be seen. Uh, likely, the, the, the Ninth Circuit's going to take a look at this, and, well, they're in San Francisco, so maybe they're going to rule in favor of immigration. I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, and then it uh, will be likely appealed by Arizona to the Supreme Court, and and uh, they're not going if the, if the supreme court rules in favor of the federal government the people in arizona that are uh, wanting this immigration control are going to be pretty upset about that and maybe that will end up leading to uh, arizona seceding from the united states <laughs> and i would support that by the way i mean i would yeah. feel bad for those people in arizona who would right. have to live under that police state i support arizona and its sovereignty to uh, to to pass bad laws i think that this is is a bad law um i I celebrate the fact that uh, that that fewer people will have to deal with uh, with you know being profiled for their their ethnicity, having to give up their their papers and and sort of live in this quasi police state um, that that's going on there. But at the same time, I I think that it's it's a bad precedent. If if the federal government can step in and stop Arizona from doing this, what else can it stop? 
So here's a little bit more about what old Sheriff Joe had to say for himself. This is according to Newsmax.com. Sheriff Joe Arpaio, the controversial top cop in Maricopa County, Arizona, tells Newsmax he'll jail any protesters who attempt to block his jail on Thursday when provisions of his state's tough new immigration law take effect. Arpaio also says it's great if undocumented aliens react to the new law and his strict anti-illegal immigration agenda by moving back to Mexico or the sanctuary state of California. You can say that now, but how do you know how it's going to affect the economy? There's been lots and lots of places that have had their economies devastated. He don't care about that. No, he doesn't. He's a government bureaucrat (laughs) who's going to get paid no matter what. Exactly. Uh, So, yeah, they don't really care about the economy. They're going to suck it out of you, whatever you got left. The... Uh, he's Arpaio, whose county includes most of the Phoenix metropolitan area, promotes himself as America's toughest sheriff. He has limited county inmates to two meals a day, banned sexually explicit material in prison, reinstituted chain gangs, and set up a tent city as an extension of the Maricopa County Jail. Don't forget the pink underwear. Well, hold on a second. I, I thought he bragged about how effective his methods were at preventing people from coming back and everything. Why does he need a tent city? I mean, well, he's cracking he, down on criminals. But but he's, he should have less drug criminals dealers. because he's fixing the problem in theory, right? Well, he's still got drug users to go after and, and drug dealers <laughs> and people like that. I mean, this this uh, man isn't just I about just, immigrants. This it's man's just about, so retarded to think that his methods are going to actually reduce crime and, and such. Well, I mean, it's all it, about his posturing, right? I mean, yeah. it's all about him getting elected again because it is an elected position. Well, people love to see people suffer who they think deserve to suffer. And this you man know, is definitely someone breakers. who will make them suffer. Right. And, of course, most of the people sitting in his jail are the, the, you know, the peaceful kind of lawbreaker. They're the people that haven't actually harmed anybody but else. You can't right. find that many arsonists, rapists, murderers. To there, fill tent th- city. There aren't enough of right. them to actually fill the jail in general. You to, so you have to go after people that are smoking pot and crossing, right. crossing borders to feed their families and uh, you know, whatever, uh, you know, violating probation by having a beer or whatever. On Wednesday, a judge blocked the most controversial sections of Arizona's new law and put them on hold. The law will still take effect Thursday, but without some of the provisions that angered opponents, including sections that required officers to check a person's immigration status while enforcing other laws. Nevertheless, there are reports that opponents of the new plan to block Arpaio's jail on Thursday, or that that opponents plan to block Arpaio's jail. And Arpaio says, there's a rumor they're even going to block our jails down the street. You know what? They're not going to block our jails. They're going to go into the jail if they block our jail. And I I'm think not he's gonna, right. <laughs> I'm not going to succumb to these demonstrators keeping law enforcement from booking people in our jail, so we may have to take some action. Oh, he's, he definitely will. And he went on to point out that he vowed to conduct a crime suppression operation on Thursday, saying, This morning we raided another business and arrested five more illegal aliens with false identification. On Thursday we're going to do our 17th crime suppression operation. So, he, by the way, he's already doing this stuff. Yes. He's been doing it for a very long time. That Arizona didn't need this law. This law, to, this law they do whatever they doesn't want. accomplish anything. Uh, he says that uh, they're going to do their 17th crime suppression operation and go out with our volunteer posse and deputy sheriffs and catch criminals. We've done 16. Just by chance, about two-thirds of those arrested just so happen to be here illegally. Just by chance, he says. Just by chance. He wouldn't be targeting those brown folks now, would he? No, Sheriff Joe wouldn't do something like that. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up. 
On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it right now. 800 259 9231. We'll be able to get you on the air. You can talk about whatever's on your mind. Tonight, it's Ian and Dale. And Mark. Dale is joining us from anarchyinyourhead.com. You want some great liberty-oriented cartoons? That's the place to go, plus some occasional blogs and video posts from Dale himself at anarchyinyourhead.com. As we continue taking your phone calls about what you want, I-Man is in Jackson, Tennessee, listening to the TJ Network. Hello, I-Man. I-Man, you are on the air. Okay. Hey, I just want to give you all a little quote here. Uh, sure. It's dangerous to be right when the government is wrong. Yeah, that much is true. Yep. Okay, and look, our law, I hear these people, and I mean, I'm I'm right here in Jackson, Tennessee, <laughs> and they're pretty racist and prejudiced. They worship uh, military. They worship the police force. They mm. worship uh, Joe Arpaio. But what, what they don't want I'm in. Are they? Oh, no. They Say that one more time. Uh, I'm in. You, you, you're, right after uh, you said when they worship Joe Arpaio, your phone cut out for a moment, so start over okay, after. I said, I said, I wish y'all would kind of expand on that a little bit more because, you know, we, they don't teach civics. Our schools, you know, they don't know what to teach anyway. But let, let me get to this. Our law is supposed to expand freedom. That's what I think makes America unique. But uh, don't y'all think so? If our, our law is supposed to protect us from government, not be a sword. Well, he said that supposed to. It's supposed that. to, right? It's supposed to. <laughs> it just doesn't. It. I don't even know if it can. I, I, I do worry whether it's a flawed notion because the government doesn't have anything keeping it in check. I mean, it's not. Yeah. Uh, it's it's supposed to keep itself in check, which is a flawed notion. And I don't think that's why I don't. That's why I think it's a failed experiment because it really was sort of built on a notion that didn't make a lot of sense to begin with. There's a whole lot of sort of faith and stuff that doesn't make much sense to begin with, the sort of idea that the government would police itself. And well, that's, I think, at the root of the problem. But don't you think also, because we're not really involved, you know, back then it, it wasn't television and, and, you know, all the different sports, games, all this kind of stuff. Most people were into politics, well, especially men, well, or white men. But that still didn't stop went, it. Everybody though. read newspapers. Yeah, that still right. didn't stop it. I mean, some of the hor- most horrible abuses of of government were happening back in the Lincoln slavery. Term, you know, I mean, when, well, uh, I slavery and the way it was dealt in. with. You know, Lincoln himself was horrible. I mean, the things that right. did were. Hey, y'all had a good thing on your website talking about the schools in 1895. That, that is something else to me. Which part? Uh, tell me, you know tell me more, about? because uh, we uh, there's a lot of stuff on our website. So which? Uh, okay. s- it's the one about. Uh, I said it was one about the schools in 1895. Like how uh, how well educated people were back then. Back in the sixth grade. The, the test they had to take. I've yeah. asked. Uh, I've asked probably 15 people. 
they couldn't even answer the first question. Yeah. yeah. And I told them it well, was 1895. If, if you mean in terms of... I'll, I'll get off oh. here. No worries, I man. I appreciate hearing Thank from you. you. Thank okay. you so much for the thoughts tonight at 800-259-9231. I wasn't sure. He wanted us to expand on something, but I wasn't sure sure what that was. And he jumped out before we could get that. Don't worry. We'll keep on talking about liberty. We, we certainly Take will. Jim. He's been trying to get on. No, he's gone. He keeps Gosh dropping darn off. Jim. He keeps dropping off. Uh, uh, but that's all right. You know, cell phones do that kind of stuff. Uh, so 800-259-9231. Well, let's talk about this dichotomy. I mean, we don't have a whole lot of time yeah, left to deal. Yeah, there's this thing that comes up a lot. And recently it was because there were some candlelight vigils that a lot of people don't approve of because we had them in front of the people's homes who did the bad things. You know, they keep saying, well, I was just doing my job, and then they get absolved of responsibility. And so, so the, the whole idea is the judge or the, the police judge. officer who did something. And so the idea is that you go and you, you, you weigh on their conscience with, you know, look, there are people who are suffering. We're acknowledging that. And, you know, we're having a candlelight vigil. It's not a protest. There's not, you know, it's no, there's no... It's a completely peaceful thing. But, There's no megaphones. Right. It's and it's also, there's also no laws being broken. So Correct. people are calling property. them CDers. Like it's, a, it, it's fun to call everyone in Keene a CDer. As well, in civil most, disobedience. Yeah. And, and there are plenty of people in Keene that don't do any civil disobedience. And if you're doing a candlelight vigil, you're not doing civil disobedience because mm-hmm. you're not breaking any laws. You're just no, but what you are doing, exercising your free speech. What you are doing is something that's unusual, right? Sure. Because the usual thing is to go file a complaint with the police department if you didn't like what they did. So that's going to change anything. Well, my problem is, is it, it's, it's, it becomes this sort of easy straw man to say, well, I don't think civil disobedience is going to be effective as if and then the dichotomy is, well, then you need to go do politics or you need to do, you know, fight court cases. You need to do in the system stuff or you do civil disobedience. And it's such a false dichotomy. And why it bothers me is because you have uh, also this notion. You have this notion of that. You, if you're not doing politics, you have to do really scary, like high risk stuff and that's just not the case and i think that scares a lot of people away from keen because they have the wrong notion of their expectations that you have to you know risk getting arrested uh you can first of all you can do acts of civil, civil disobedience that aren't going to be you know likely to get you arrested but there's a, but the point is there's a lot of stuff that encompasses out of the system activism that's not how civil about media how about creating media, media and doing outreach i think doing that's the most effective outreach. thing you can do uh, doing, you know, th- that's a big thing. And, and uh, you know, just acts of free speech, protests, protests are not civil disobedience. You know, if you're not breaking any laws, you know, if you're... Then, of course, then sometimes when you're doing a protest, you don't know necessarily whether you're breaking the laws. As well, Heike found out this week when she was arrested yeah. uh, without warning for using a megaphone, which she has didn't been break the law. The cops broke the law. And sure, occasionally they kind of, yeah. What I'm saying is you don't know what's going to get you arrested, right? You, yeah, you just sometimes. don't know. I mean, even in politics, that, that uh, much is true. Even in politics, uh, people have been threatened with uh, with uh, felonies because they've uh, they've, for instance, offered their paychecks up as as an incentive for people and, to, and to there's vote also for them. ways where the places where the ground has been paved by prior civil disobedience where it's not that risky anymore mm-hmm. like sitting filming in court poli- sitting in court not standing for the judge in court uh filming a police officer in action and keen is a f- pretty safe thing to do now you mentioned because that, that's we you know it was a little scary for just a little time a little while and then it kind of that's been dealt with that gra- that way has been paved so when you mentioned Keene, that's uh, the place we're doing the show from, uh, and it's it's in relation. This whole discussion is in relation to uh, the Free State Project, which is actually one of the sponsors of this program. But before they were the sponsor of the show, I was a big fan. And the idea is a simple one. Uh, the, it's a concept that brings liberty activists, people that love freedom, people that understand that in order to be free, you have to allow others to be free, and uh, that they actually want to work towards being more free and do stuff to to get to freedom. Uh, to bring those people together into the same place and 
in order to get active for liberty. And we've got different people settling in different areas of the state. And of course, we we live in the Keene area, or the you know the vicinity of Keene. Uh, I live in Keene proper. You know the the political designation thereof. And uh, and so obviously I'd like to encourage people to come here. And so there's some some level of controversy over the style of activism that is a little more prevalent here in the Keene area than, uh, or maybe a lot more prevalent, lot more prevalent than uh, than in than in other areas of uh, of the the state. And some of those things are are controversial. And it's, there's always this controversy that kind of swims around the the Keene activism because it is so different compared to the standard uh, political fare, compared to the usual go and beg the politicians or become a politician. But that's not to say those there things are less don't happen political. here people but that's not to say those things don't happen here just today at freekeen.com we announced the uh, candidacy of a a local activist a a civil disobedient turned politician uh, andrew carroll who a couple years ago was arrested for having a bud of marijuana in his hand in public which was a great instance of civil disobedience that he did now he is uh, is going to run for uh, for state rep which is actually the 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 biggest campaign that uh, i think a a liberty oriented person here in the area has done depends uh, i mean you know state rep is is not a particularly powerful uh, position, but yeah, it's the, it's probably the, it's bigger the than highest city council. Level. I don't know yeah. if that's true. Um, I, you know, it's I'm, bigger than city. Yeah, council it's hard to say if it's a if it you know you might be, have a bigger impact locally instead of council than you know. And rep. I hope that Andrew Carroll wins. I really do. I just don't. I yeah. I don't know if he will. Now he's he's actually got a pretty good chance because what he's, he's uh, running as a Democrat. He's running as a Democrat. People which, are Democrats out out this in, in this corner of New Hampshire, mostly in in in, in, in Keene. Keene proper. Yeah, um, and he and, has a lot of areas that. Uh, that will appeal to Democrats. And, and there are seven, seven positions and there are eight people running. Is that right? That's my understanding. So is all he has to do is knock off the weakest Democrat and then he'd be in. Is I that, think there are three or four incumbents and in, or three or four people that have never been elected before. So, so I mean, the weakest is all he has to do is uh, is be better than the weakest. Yeah, he has to make it seventh place in order to get in. And, um, you know, I hope he I hope he manages to do what I really, 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 really do. But I, I do kind of feel like um, that the you know the it, back to the idea that the the poisoning the well idea I I don't like using that because I don't think it's fair to say well what you're doing is you know affecting me it's 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 stifling me I'm completely trapped I can't do anything because of what your activism is whatever it might be I mean I could uh, somebody could make the claim that I put a, a political sign on my I, my lawn and I'm I'm poisoning their well and they can't <laughs> do anything politically um, but. It does seem to me that it uh, that the, the the civil disobedient activism and outside the system activism and whatever terminology you wants to want to use for it, Dale, has made it more difficult. Has made uh, has raised the profile of Free Keen, the Free State Project. I think you're. Uh, I think it's it is to some people who are very vocal and pay attention to it and oppose some of the ideas and and you know who are more you know more They're sensitive in to the certain things too, right well i don't think not, not i think you're giving too much credit to general uh, voters a lot of them are just <laughs> anonymous trolls to most voters a... most voters are just like you know they're just going to see names that seem kind of familiar to them or something and most of them are not paying there's, that much there's attention there's some backlash some verbal <laughs> backlash it's posted anonymously on forums and things like that but it's not much seen in real life i'm sure there's some rumors flying behind the scenes but anytime you threaten the status quo people are going to get upset we're out of time see you tomorrow night for the live Saturday show. See you then online in the meantime. Free talk. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. It's another edition of the Edgington Post. And uh, today I have with me Matt Wayne. Matt, are you there? 
Yes, I am. Very good. Now, um, you're a regular listener to the, listener to the show, and you have written an, a book, an ebook, and it's called The Weed Years, and you're advertising it on Free Talk Live. How's uh, and, and I, what I want to do is today was an interview about the book and uh, sort of in case people were, you know, they heard some of the ads, they were kind of enticed, but they they hadn't been quite pushed over the edge to uh, to purchase the book that they, they hear a little more about it. And maybe it uh, maybe it'll work out for them. So t- tell me it's more about the book. Fiction. It's a horror fiction. It takes place uh, on a college campus. It involves a, a, a college student who is. Um, Taking a course in uh, in history and uh, and uh, the occult, and decides that he wants to do a paper on Ouija boards, and as a result, he has uh, many strange things start happening to him. Yeah, the the um the book has uh, you know a certain level of. Uh... It's certainly a great deal of sort of the the demonic and other um, other dimensions and things like that, and I I find it very enticing the way um, you know it uh, seems to deal with succubi and uh, you know all kinds of things that uh, might go on in in sort of an other demonic dimension. Yeah, there's and there there's a lot of uh, sexuality involved in it. There's a kind of a funny story around that when when I wrote a uh, fantasy book back in the '90s. Um, the the ladies that were reading it kept asking me if I could write more sex into my books. So when I went and started writing the horror, I, I put it on a college campus where the kids are pretty much free to do what they want. <laughs> and uh, uh, and that, that was a result of, of a request from my uh, female readers. Well, there you go. I mean, you know, everybody wants to read about a little, little humping in the in the books. I mean, it's it makes it, it makes it enticing. And you've got this kind of a gangster character involved too. Yes, his name is uh, Ian Santiago or Santiago rather, and uh, he is uh, involved in the occult and has um, has has managed to uh, uh, call forth uh, a very evil entity through the board, and he is using this power to. Uh, uh, to uh, make himself more powerful, to increase his own uh, influence in the world. Well, I I don't want to give away too much, but it's uh, it sounds like a very exciting, very exciting book. I mean, you know, having uh, it used to be that I would read a great deal of fiction. I haven't been able to get around to it nearly as much as I used to, but uh, you know, <laughs> this makes me think about it. Um, this now is this book available on like the Kindle and things like that? I mean, I don't know much about producing an ebook and how that's done. Yes, when you go to the site, uh, the iPick Publishing site, and you order, the and you book, can get there through, uh, and you can get there through ebook.freetalklive.com. That's right. You set that up for me. I, I appreciate that. Sure, it's it's just easier uh, to say. Get there, right, you can get there through ebook.freetalklive.com, and uh, you'll. When you decide to purchase the book, you'll be given a choice of whether you want to download it as a PDF file that you can uh, store on your computer and print out, or whether you want to uh, uh, store it as an e-reader file where you can use the Kindle or other types of e-readers to read it. So now if you you store it as an e-reader, will your computer be able to read it or not? You know, I really don't know. Um, I would think so. If you had the correct software, but I'm not really sure on how on how the I've seen the ebooks I've, I've I've read the you know the Kindle 
I've seen what they look like. I've, I've used it to read. Yeah, the Kindle's I, an I amazing thing. And, yeah. Right, it is. It's neat. But I don't have one uh, personally, so I, I don't know how uh, how that works. I'm sure if the, the people that have them, I'm sure will know how to work them. Well, and now in this uh, in this book, the, the the player seems to have a uh, a reaction with his uh, Ouija board. It's spelling out all kinds of things. Is his Ouija board special, or um, you know, how is it that his Ouija board uh, is different than than other Ouija boards? Um. Uh, that's given away a little bit of the story, but oh, I would it? say yes. That is, <laughs> that is special, yes. And it, uh, he, he he kind of stumbles upon the, uh, a little shop and uh, and is, is uh, kind of directed to this to the Ouija board. And um, it's uh, a special. So one. yes, yes. So it's not like he goes into a, a Walmart and picks one off the shelf. He <laughs> he, he finds a. He spots a magic shop that he hadn't noticed before and uh, is drawn into it. Kind of like um, if you've seen the, the recent movie, The, the uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, kind of like the kid is drawn into the uh, sorcerer's shop. Very good. Now, um, <laughs> you know, I, there's a lot of things out there that can occupy people's attention, a lot of fiction for people to read. What, what is it that um, about your ebook that uh, would, you know, if somebody has the, the capability, I guess anybody with a computer has the capability to read it, um, what is it that they, why would they go after this book instead of any other? What, are, um, what do they need to know if they're making that decision right now? Well, as with, you know, many books, it's, it's the, the author, a lot of people um, just like the style that the author uses to, to, to write with. So uh, anybody that's, that's going to read it, uh, if they're going to like it, it's because they like my style of writing. And I have been told um, by others who have read my book that I can draw a, a pretty good picture in their heads. Uh, of of what things you know what things are happening what they look like what's going on and uh, well I, I could tell you from the synopsis um, that uh, that was written uh, that you wrote uh, you know I mean the synopsis drew me in <laughs> so I I can only imagine that the book would too right which is why I offer the first uh, two chapters for free oh that's if a good you idea read the first two chapters yeah if if you go online and you read the first two chapters. Uh, you'll get a taste of of what my writing is like, and if you you know if that intrigues you and you like it, uh, you can purchase the rest of the book. So did uh, for seven ninety five. Would one go there uh, to ebook.freetalklive.com dot dot com of the first two chapters there? Uh, yeah, if if you if it goes to ipickpublishing dot com to the uh, right to the book. Yes. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we sent it. We yeah, sent it directly yeah. to the page. So just go to ebook.freetalklive.com and you can check out the first two chapters for free and see if it's uh, something that you want to spend your your hard earned money on. Because I, it it sounds like a great story. I, you know, just I've been enticed myself on it in this at this point. So uh, I recommend that for people and go check it out at ebook.freetalklive.com. Matt, I appreciate no, you. Uh, no. t- go ahead. All right, just just for for information, I did. Yeah. Uh, I I personally had problems downloading the. Uh, the first two chapters when I when I went to uh, to read them, mm-hmm. and I had to update my Adobe uh, the the Adobe Reader, yeah, uh, the PDF Reader. I had to update it. So some people, if they have problems, they might need to update their Adobe uh, software. Thanks for that tip. Yes, appreciate uh, appreciate you spending a little time with us, Matt, and uh, I'll talk to you on the show here again in the near future. 
Yes, I, I appreciate your time, Mark. I appreciate everything that you guys have done for me. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank, that's uh, thank that's you very much. yep, sure. That's Matt Wayne, and you can see his book at ebook.freetalklive.com. <laughs> 